0: You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene
1: Steinberg. Hi, neighbors. First, I want to remind you that the Paracast is brought to you this week by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 85,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals for a free audiobook of your choice go to audiblepodcast.com/paracast with Chris O'Brien I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Paracast. We've got a few things to announce here that may be of interest. Of course this show is being heard at least if you hear it when it's actually broadcast or a few days thereafter. before Christmas we've got a brand new official Paracast store. So we teamed up with different partners not that the old ones are bad, but they've got better styles. And better prices we have the mugs and the carrying cases and the mouse pads and all sorts of shirts and 10 colors each lots of stuff the official powercast store at store the store we make minimal profits folks you know we're not looking to make a lot of money just kind of you know pair away so have a look at that because that's fascinating cool. There's also i know f- what
2: you're sending me for christmas
1: yeah. Okay. You have to just tell me what size you wear, and you pick out a shirt, and I will make sure. I'm extra that, you large, know.
2: baby. Extra large.
1: Extra extra large. No. Extra large. Okay. Extra large. It is. Okay. So he gets one. You know. Now, folks, if you want to get one, well, okay, you have to pay for it. You actually, when you set up the store, you tell them how much profit you want to make. And I was dumb about this because I don't think that you know you should gouge your fans. Faithful listeners. You're faithful listeners, you know, so we don't want to gouge you. It's just, you know, a couple of $3. Yeah, but we also I want know. people to be out there as walking billboards. Exactly. Yeah. Get your hoodie. Get your hoodie on. And you get the coffee mug, too. We have a great coffee mug, a branded Paracast coffee mug. You take with you to work, people are going to say, hey, what is that thing in the back where it says separating signal from noise? What's that all about? And you explain that, you know, it's kind I'm of training wacky. Training my girlfriend. don't want to get into that because this is a family radio show on a family station. I don't know if you saw this or not. All these UFO organizations are so insular. They're unto themselves. They have databases and everything. And we heard from somebody on the other side of the world. Did you see this message from a guy who wants to work to kind of create a new UFO information database and kind of coordinate all this evidence? Did you catch that?
2: I did, and I think it's a great idea, but good luck trying to crack the old MUFON egg. Let's see if they're willing to share their data. This, This would be a good litmus test for old Clifford Clift and the MUFON groups. It would be fascinating if they can get him to do that,
1: yeah. Teamwork. Exactly. How do you expect one organization with a couple of thousand members to figure it all out? Now, MUFON has been around since the 1960s, okay? And they haven't solved it yet. It doesn't mean there've been a failure, it may be one of those situations that we kind of accept that it's not easy to solve these mysteries. Don't you want some help? You don't have all the money in the world. Yeah, you had that deal with Robert Bigelow and he seemed to have put lots of terms and conditions on it. But it would seem to me to make an awful lot of sense to want to have a situation where you can share the information. This is not proprietary. You're not Apple and Samsung engage in lawsuits because Apple thinks that Samsung stole the look and feel of the iPhone or the iPad. You know, it's that exclusivity in the UFO field makes no sense. you got to share this information.
2: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think it, it would be a major step forward. Then we could get some real smart, young, up up-and-coming computer experts in the younger generation to start crunching some numbers. Of course, yeah, garbage it, in, garbage out. But, well, uh, yeah, still. but then you have to separate the garbage. Yeah. You have to have a, you
1: know, a gray basket category. Right. Now, another development that maybe you haven't heard of, and I'll tell you this for the first time because I want to get a spontaneous reaction. This has been going on. I've had some private conversations with one of our regular posters in the forum, somebody I've known for a while. He has a paranormal blog, and he works like a regular person with a regular day job and a regular family. And he says to me, you know, he misses a consumer watchdog site. For UFOs, there used to be ufowatchdog.com, which is Royce Meyer's site. We had control of it for about a year. We updated the content and everything. But the agreement we made with Royce was, okay, if he ever wants it back, he can have it. You know, we're not taking it. We're just going to be the caretakers. So one day he writes back about a year ago and he says, I want it back. So we gave him all the information. We had the original site plus a brand new version in what they call a content management program where everything's in a database. So you create one look and feel. Everything is in a database for easier handling. It's called, if you people even care, it's called Joomla. That's the name of the program. And I thought it was looking real nice. When he brought it back, none of the new material was incorporated. He went back to the old site and the old style. So this particular forum poster said, you know, maybe we should try to take it over again, but that's not on the cards. Maybe start a new organization or site as a
2: better business bureau for paranormal research. Tell me it's a well, crazy I that, idea. I think that's a great idea. Be certified. who you call it PPP, preferred <laughs> Paracast. I don't know. We have to what work on that acronym. <laughs> Instead of BBB, it would
1: be the PPP. Right. Well, you know, say that three times fast backwards. <laughs> it's like the guy I was talking to the other week who wanted to play my voice backwards. But seriously, the problem with something like this is, number one, we would need people who were willing to volunteer to actually do the heavy lifting. This is not something that, you know, we have time to necessarily do. It would take somebody who, or a team of people willing to do the hard research to look at the material, say, okay, we've got all this stuff ready to go. Let's start posting this stuff. And in terms of the styling and everything, you know, I think we have an existing style structure we did when we had our version of UFO Watchdog that we could bring into it. That's not so hard. It's doing the research, getting the documentation, but also, which I guess is unfortunate, Chris, we probably have to have a volunteer lawyer on hand.
2: <laughs> 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 I, I think that's, that's almost a given, Jane. One thing that I just thought of uh, along these lines is have Have a rating system for for investigators and and, and especially people that publish and publish books, publish articles, have, let's say, a blog or or some sort of um, database. Maybe rate their efforts, have some sort of standardized form that would give us the ability to accurately rate their efforts from 1 to 10, 10 being the very best, one being, don't believe this, uh, <laughs> there's nothing to see here, move along. Like the Better Business Bureau, where they rate businesses based on performance and, and and have a clearinghouse for people to have an option of where to go with their particular case. Whether it be uh, a siding case, some sort of crypto case, possibly an abduction claim, that sort of thing. And then rate the people who are willing to actually do the work in the field and go out and, and then publish the results of their investigation. I, that would be another thing, too, that would make it unique. No one's ever tried to do that. With the Phil and Brognos out there, the Bill Nells, uh, the Michael Horns, and other people that some people have problems with their style and, and the results of their <laughs> shenanigans in the case of Sean David Morton and others, this would be a really good way for people to have a place to go, a one-stop shop, to look and see what these people are up to and what kind of track record they have and what kind of rating that they've been able to garner for themselves and their efforts.
1: Right. And we have to make it as independent as possible. But once again, the key is that we're going to have to have a lawyer come on over and say, you know what, I'll be happy to help you out and defend you. Who knows? Peter Gersten would be great, but I don't uh, know if he'd rate very high. But isn't Peter <laughs> Gersten right now? He was in the Hall of Shame in the original UFO Watchdog.com. <laughs> and isn't he going to be committing suicide or something next year? No, 2012? he's
2: going to be taking the great leap uh, into the beyond on December 12th you know, twenty twelve. He's gonna be on top of Bell Rock here in Sedona and he's going to jump off and hopefully he lands somehow go through some portal or transcend himself into uh, something other than lots of little pieces that need to be scraped up off the rocks with plastic spoons and ziploc bags. I sure as
1: heck hope though that he doesn't hurt himself. Speaking of someone who is just an interesting character all around, we have the return today of my old friend Tim Beckley and Tim Beckley is known as Mr. UFO, by the way. And he's going to bring with him a woman named Claudia Cunningham, who we refer to as the M.I.B. Lady. Are you ready for this, Chris? I'm not sure, Gene. Okay, Tim Beckley, the M.I.B. Lady, and lots more coming up this week on The Paracast. As you know, the PowerCast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 85,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service, such as Leslie Kane's UFOs, generals, pilots, and government officials go on the record. For that free audiobook, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out, iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com
4: You can't argue with success. And many people have found great success in fighting back colds and flu viruses with Ali-C, the world's best garlic extract. So now it's time to get even more success with the other great quality natural products from Affinity Health Products, like C Energy Liquid Vitamins, Lose and Snooze, and the One Day Diet, or Human Growth Hormone Support, menopause specialist for women and joint specialist see these and many other quality affinity health products for men and women online at affinityhealthproducts.com that's a-f-f-i-n-i-t-y healthproducts.com or call in your orders at 877-888-7126 that's 1-877-888-7126 trust your health to the makers of C, the world's best garlic extract Affinity Health Products, the finest and most innovative natural health products available.
5: That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later... And the door sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. We want to know,
4: how do you use WebEx? I use WebEx anytime I need to meet with clients. With the new WebEx high-quality video, it's like meeting face-to-face.
6: Connect online and share what's on your computer screen with others. Anytime, anywhere. On their desktop, on their laptop, or mobile device. How do you use WebEx? Go to Webex.com right now and try Webex free. Webex from Cisco. Webex.com.
0: We'd like to hear
6: from you. If you have a
0: comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at
1: iTunes. With Gene and Chris on The Paracast, we have Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO, and joining us for the first time, Claudia Cunningham. A welcome to our two special guests.
7: Hi, how are you? Hey, Gene. Hey Good to hear from you again. Haven't ha- had a chat in a while.
1: That's right. You know, uh, you I guess... and I haven't talked offline for a long time. But because our guest, our extra guest, can only stay for a short period of time, tell us, Tim, about Claudia Cunningham and her impact well, to the world of the paranormal.
7: Okay. Well, you know, Claudia came to me uh, actually via a letter. She wrote me, uh, I guess it's going back to Claudia, what, about three years ago now? Yeah, a very interesting letter. Now, I I get a lot of communications, and some of them are very long-winded, and some of them don't interest me. But, of course, one of my big uh, concerns and fascinations in the UFO field over the Eugene, as you probably know, has been the, the men in black. In fact, I I had my own encounter uh, of sorts, of course, with Amib going back to the mid-1960s, and I've written two books on the subject, The Curse of the Men in Black and The UFO Silencers. So, uh, Claudia had uh, written me um, a letter, a very interesting letter, about events that had taken place in a cemetery in upstate New York where, believe it or not, Charles Fort is buried and uh, it included several episodes of mib type sighting so uh, i was fascinated by it uh, by her experiences that she told other related of, by other people you know and she's kind of collected these over the years. So I got in touch with her and uh, we formed kind of a bond. In fact, uh, Claudia and I, together with my friend uh, Penny, who is a psychic, we visited the gravesite of um, Charles Fort just about a month ago. It's the um, Albany Rural Cemetery, I believe it's called. And uh, there's some very strange things that are going on there, which Claudia will be able to fill us all in on.
1: Claudia, how did you get involved in this crazy world?
8: Well, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I've uh, been afraid of the dark, uh, like most kids are. But I always took it a step further. By the time I was 10, I was reading it was a, a comic book. Maybe Tim could uh, give me the name of it. It was a very well-known... Anyway, it was very scary. It's kind of a classic now, about zombies and werewolves and all this stuff. Huh. Anyway, Sweet I've had... Show uh, or life...
7: something like that, probably. Yeah,
8: something like that. And um, I've always had an interest in knowing... Why are we here? Where did we come from? Where are we going? And my travels have taken me into a lot of conversations with some interesting people who have had paranormal encounters, including my own family, and including myself as I got a little bit older. But um, what really got me involved with Tim was a friend of mine who was a registered nurse at a local hospital uh, called me one day about three years ago. And she knew of my interest in uh, all things arcane and the unknown and so forth. She said, you know, I had a a frightening experience at this cemetery. You know, I said, oh, gee, you know, I'd like to hear about it. Um, She lives across the street from Albany Rural Cemetery. And it was a very nice spring day. Decided to take a ride in there and kind of go on a historical tour of the place. It's quite large. Um, It's on a, a big hill. Some of the older graves go back to the early 1600s uh, with the Indians and the early Dutch settlers uh, of the region. And we have a president, um, Ch- Chester Arthur, who's buried there. We have congressmen. We have uh, Secretary of the Navy under uh, Roosevelt, a lot of famous people, as well as everyday people. So Linda decided... Uh, You know, I'm going to take a ride in there, and uh, which is not too crazy because a lot of people go in there and have picnics. Uh, They jog, they walk their dogs. It's very pretty in some of the areas. As she told me, she pulled in the the big iron gates, and on the left there's a very Gothic-looking... Uh, building that's the office, and that contains all of the information um, of anyone who's who's buried there, thousands and thousands of documents. And that in itself, it looks like the Munster's house. It's really very scary looking. And across the street from there is the crematorium, and it's a black macadam drive as you pull in. And Linda decided to take um, a left up one of these little tiny roads, gravelly roads. And she noticed that no one was there that day. Um, She got to the top of the hill, pulled in a little further. It was a type of a day where if you heard anyone coming um, in back of you or in any direction, you would hear it because of the gravel. And it was just deathly silent. So she got her windows down, and um, she pulled over. And she said, she kind of looked down to take the the keys out of the ignition. And what did that take? A second, two seconds. And she says, when I looked up, here was this mammoth, big black, uh, military-looking SUV that was so close. It it was in back of her, actually. And she looked in her view mirror, and she saw this thing was so close, it was like in the back seat. It could have been in the back seat. So uh, she thought, oh, my heavens, I'm going to be robbed or something. But the thing didn't look right. It had all completely black windows um and it was a day when there was a lot of milkweed in the air which is kind of common to upstate new york at a certain time of the year and it's very annoying it'll cover the cars and you kind of have to kind of put your windshield wipers on to get you know get it off your car but this thing had no weeds on it at all nothing was sticking to it and um she said it looked like a brand new vehicle that it you know they just rolled out of the showroom um anyway um she said well Uh, she said, I'm going to, to herself, I'm going to pull up and let's see if this thing follows me. So she did. And it kind of backed up. It didn't follow her, went, it backed up. And she's watching this thing. And it kind of turned to the right from where she was, which was, I don't know how many feet up, but it looked like this thing was going down one of the little side hills in the cemetery. And she watched it until the top of this thing disappeared. It was gone. So she said, I got kind of mad because somebody was trying to, you know, terrorize her. So she said, I turned around and I was going to follow this thing. And she said, only when I got there, there was no road and there was a chain link fence. And she said, the only thing beyond the, the, the fence itself were graves. Me, I would have died right there on the spot. We know? did
7: see that road too. Uh, yeah,
8: yeah, that's there. right. Uh, you were, I had Tim there. Yeah. Yep. And it, so, it, it is uh, chained
7: you, off.
8: Yep, absolutely chained. Nothing there. So Linda said, I went down the way I came in, and there was the SUV parked right in front of the office, right smack in the middle of the road, and she said, I had the feeling it was waiting for me, and I never had a feeling like that. And right next to the driver's side stood a uh, man, all in black, slim, very slim, the black hat, the black wrap around sunglasses, black, black, black. And uh, as she drove by, he kind of looked at her, um, kind of nodded, really creepy, and she said, I just jammed that ignition. And she said, when I went by him, I kind of looked in the mirror, and he was gone. But one second, he said, that, I mean, gone. This man was gone. So she got out of there, and that's when she called me. And I was so excited because I had read about men in black. I have Tim's. Classic book on it where he actually shows the picture. I think the only picture in captivity, right? Tim was of a man in black. Well, I think. maybe
7: maybe there might there might be one other, uh, but uh, this this is the uh, the one that's got the most publicity. Yeah. Hmm?
8: Right. So um, I got on the on the internet and um, I did a search and I just typed in in uh, Albany World Cemetery haunted. I figured well that'll take me someplace if it's haunted. I you know I had never heard anything about that cemetery having any problems at all. But to my astonishment, there were many, many um, links to people who had seen things. And what people say over and over again is the fact that it's haunted by, uh, and I quote, sinister men in black.
1: I'll tell you what, this this will be very sinister if we don't break right here. Claudia Cunningham (laughs) is telling us about her encounters and stories with Tim Beckley. You're listening to Gene and Chris because you're in the The Paracast. When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey, the most trusted name in online backup give our friends at mosey a call they've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure most trusted online backup service right now you could save 15 percent by using the promo code podcast 15 that's podcast 15 call 877-669-9776 that's 877-669-9776 or visit moseypro.com that's m-o-z-y pro.com
10: What nutrition are you missing that's leading to the four major diseases, cancer, arthritis, heart disease, and Parkinson's? There are at least 80,000 medical studies that show a lack of the protein glutathione to be linked to cancer, heart disease, Parkinson's, macular degeneration, lung disease, digestive diseases, diabetes, Alzheimer's, ALS, rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus, in all at least 68 diseases. What is the number one food by which your body is most empowered to increase its glutathione production? It is undamaged whey protein from grass-fed cows. One World Whey is truly the first undamaged whey protein. All other whey protein powders are damaged by heat, chemicals, and filtration. One World Whey is the most life-giving whey protein powder ever produced. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWhey.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com.
11: Jason Lewis here with the holidays just around the corner. Be sure to consider the greatest gift you can give to your friends and family peace of mind. That's why I choose WiseFoodStorage.com WiseFoodStorage.com offers delicious, ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna, savory stroganoff and pasta alfredo that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. And they're ready to eat in minutes. Simply add hot water. Request a free entree sample today at WiseFoodStorage.com and for a limited time, get free shipping and 10% off of your order. That's right, a free entree free shipping and 10% off any order just use promo code lewis call 855 food wise that's 855 366-3947 or visit wisefoodstorage.com that's wise w-i-s-e foodstorage.com gourmet emergency food at the best price and the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love this holiday season has the United States been discovered in the Bible? Where does
12: Islam fit in Bible prophecy?
13: Is the new world order world government? These and other crucial end-time questions are answered in the new DVD package, Understanding the End Time, from End time Ministries. Jesus Christ said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, so that when they do come to pass, you might believe. After you watch this 14-lesson DVD series, Understanding the End Time, you'll know more about Bible prophecy than the average seminary graduate. This DVD package normally sells for $280, but now is only $199. Order Understanding the End Time DVD package at endtime.com today for only $199 or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463. 1-800-363-8463 or intime.com Hi, this is Don Ecker and you are tuned into the
14: Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Neighbors,
1: I wanted to remind you, if you want to join the official PowerCast team by becoming a sales and marketing person for us, please write news at com. Once again, that's news at com. We'd like to hear from you. With Jean and Chris, you're in the PowerCast. Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO, joining us. Claudia Cunningham in the middle of a fascinating story. Please continue.
8: Okay. Well, according to what I read on the Internet, it's an instrument in black Black disappearing vehicles, a couple who hold hands and actually float over the tombstones at dusk, a big in their black dog, in their pajamas. Yes, let's not forget that. A big black dog, black orbs, uh, something resembling a black cloud, and a lot of just strange feelings in certain areas. Uh, people have a feeling in uh, certain areas there that uh, you're being looked at um, by something unseen. So um, I have told the story to a lot of my friends uh, interested in the subject. And one is my, my niece who is acquainted with uh, one of the caretakers at the cemetery. And he said, I have heard a million stories from people with dis- the, the disappearing cars and everything. But he himself has never seen anything. He said, but there are certain places in that cemetery where he, he feels extremely creepy and he will not go. As the story continues, Um, I grabbed a book not long ago of local hauntings in the area, and uh, the cemetery was in there, and uh, it said people have reported seeing uh, a a funeral cortege going around this uh, rather large pond near Charles Ford's grave, by the way.
7: Well, it's facing it, yes.
8: Uh Yep, and um, it's um, followed by people in uh, black mourning clothes of an earlier era, so I think that's pretty cool. But when you, when you um, approach them, they disappear. They just vanish. So um, I just wanted to tell you uh, about three months after this incident, um, I was with my mother shopping one day. And, you know, I wasn't really thinking of, of the subject, but... Um, it kind of came back to haunt me that day. I was over at a local um, strip mall called the Delmar Shopping Center and I had to run into the dollar store for a second. I had my mother in the back seat, my dog next to me in the front and I had the windows down. It was in the summer and um, there was a big black SUV next to me on the right and I kind of kidded to my mother. I said, hey, maybe that's one of those guys that Linda saw and she kind of chuckled. So I ran into a friend of mine from high school and we had a little chat and I went in and got my my uh, purchase and came back out and I was about to pull out and all of a sudden from in back of this SUV came this little man and I would by little I'd say maybe he was five feet tall maybe just a little bit under Uh, he looked to be about 50 and he had a black hat with the black sunglasses the uh, three-quarter length black shirt with a crease in the sleeve it looked brand new and he kind of stuck his head in the window and I'm telling you I'm not a nervous type, but when I saw that, uh, that was that was unbelievable. And he he walked into the um, right outside of the dollar store, and he just kind of stopped, and he looked at me, and he kind of put his glasses down so I could kind of see this, his eyes, and he just kind of nodded, like. And I you know I had the feeling that he was saying, well, you wanted to see one of us, here I am.
7: Well, you know, uh, that's a very strange uh, place there. I mean, the cemetery is huge, and. Um you know, of course, Charles Fort was a collector of all these uh, oddities, and I guess he's still continuing to to look on and, and watch the strange going on in the cemetery. And a lot of the activity is pretty uh, near uh, the uh, family uh, tombstone. It's a uh, actually the entire family is um, is buried there. Uh, there are nine grave sites uh, uh, with the Fort as the last name. Uh, so it's it's interesting uh, that uh, this would all be occurring within uh, you know a, a small radius of where. The master himself is buried.
8: Okay. Um, well, um, again, um, according to different books that I've read, local um, folklore, and also through the Internet, uh, that cemetery is haunted by um, disappearing black vehicles of all kinds, um, uh, black uh, men in, uh, sinister-looking men in black, a black dog, black orbs, a, a black cloud, a couple who hold hands and float over the tombstones at dusk in their pajamas of all things, and um, a funeral procession that goes around this uh, this lake inside the cemetery, and they're older black cars, and they circle around, followed by uh, older-looking, uh, maybe people from like the 1800s in black mourning clothes, and when you uh, approach them, they they Dissipate. They dissipate. They vanish into thin air.
2: Now,
1: this so is something you read about.
8: Yeah, That's what's there after dusk.
1: Okay, but this is something you read about, right, Claudia?
8: Oh, so, yes.
1: Okay, now, forgetting what you read, mm-hmm. we want to look at what you've experienced personally.
8: Okay. Well, I've had a lifetime of, of uh, strange things. Do you want me to tell you a few things?
1: Well, since we're looking at that particular area in and around the burial place of Charles Fort. And also because Tim was referring to you as the MIB lady. Mm-hmm. Are you someone who has received lots of phone calls or <laughs> warnings from strange people?
8: No, nothing like that. But um, I did have, um, in 1973, and I think it was then because I, I just got my brand-new Mustang convertible, I was in that cemetery with my niece and my sister-in-law, and we stopped at a uh, crypt in there, and it was uh, the the crypt of an uh, early uh, mayor uh, of Albany by the name of John Boyd Thatcher. And I decided to look in and kind of see what was in there. And when I got about three feet from it, we heard this big metallic bang coming from inside of that place. That's the only thing that I've ever had happen to me. But... Um, I think well he calls me the MIB lady because of my story, you know, and also because of that happening um, at the uh, Delmar Plaza, and it was if you had seen this man, I think you would have questioned like I did, was it uh, you know somebody? It, it, he didn't look right. If that sounds right to you, it, he didn't. He looked they, so They out say of that.
1: that about me quite often. Go ahead, please.
8: Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> maybe your one too. Who knows? But. um no, I mean, I've I've always had, um, you know, I don't know if you want to call them, I think everybody has, where you'd walk in the house and you put your keys on the table and you come back and they're gone and you might find them five days later in the refrigerator. Or I mean, everything like that. I mean, that, I think that happens to just about everybody.
1: Sure, but, but isn't um, that maybe you forgot where you put it, you absent mindedly were checking the refrigerator, oh, wait a minute, I need a new container of milk, and in the rush you drop the keys there.
7: Well, no, that goes it goes way beyond good.
1: that, Gene. I I can verify that. Well, tell me more. You verify it. Tell me oh. more.
7: Well, you know, years ago, Gene, uh, you know, most of the researchers in this field, and and they're most of them are are sincere, as far as I'm concerned. You know, they'll go out, and they're very anxious to uh, interview uh, someone who's had a UFO sighting, low-level sighting, uh, particularly like pilots and. Um, Uh, astronomers and astronauts, you know, people with credibility. And that's all well and good. But there's very little follow-up with these uh, witnesses. And one thing that I've done over the years is try to maintain a relationship with some of these uh, people to find out if something happened after their initial encounter. And what I found over and over and over again was uh, once uh, these individuals had a close encounter or had a sighting that uh, in a lot of uh, episodes, their life was overcome uh, with uh, additional paranormal
1: experiences. It and sensitizes people, them, right, Tim? I beg your pardon? It sensitizes them.
7: Well, I'm not sure what it does. It, it grabs hold of them. In some cases, it actually possesses them. In fact, there, there's a case that I describe in my um, book, A Round Trip to Hell in a Flying Saucer where an entire town in Brazil was possessed by some sort of UFO entity. Uh, there was a sighting um, at around the high noon. In fact, a, a series of photographs were even taken over the coast of this particular city in Brazil. And several people, five or six people in that town, picked up a pen or pencil and started doing automatic writing. And what they received through this automatic writing, which is a war, a usually, I think, a warning of some Holocaust to come. Uh, I'll tell you what, days. we'll
1: learn about the automatic writing in a moment with Tim Beckley. We have Claudia Cunningham with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com
5: long-range patrol ration entrees if you know survival you know lrps are the undisputed king of military rations hands down the best for your bug out bag or survival pack to go farther faster and carry more food there's nothing better than a brick pack lrp cold weather ration entree nothing now, the Freeze-Dry Guy is offering a limited-time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long-term storage. But they're going fast at freezedryguy.com. Far superior to MREs, long-range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze-dried entrees. Ask about multi-case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today that's 866-404-3663 or freeze dry guy.com your source for survival food in an uncertain world
6: smokers are you still smoking traditional cigarettes are you still smelling up your clothes and car interior staining your teeth and getting ashes everywhere why when you can be smoking or vaping with e-cigarettes by Lasig. With Lasig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replacement cartridges. You'll get all the satisfaction of smoking, but no smoking hazards. Choose from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporate e-liquid flavors at lasig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. Or call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Le SIG e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Warning, e-cigs may contain nicotine, an addictive substance known to the state of California to cause birth defects or cancer. Please be aware of the risks associated with e-cigs prior to use. You must be 18 years or older to purchase.
15: This is James from the band Golden State. There's only one man who can end these wars, and that's Ron Paul. This Christmas, let's get him to number one on iTunes with our song, Bombs, the Ron Paul song. It's not Seats go to RefPack. Visit iTunesBomb.com.
3: And let's end these wars.
8: This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast.
1: We have Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO, Claudia Cunningham, the MIB lady. Everybody's got names. And we've got Gene and Chris, and we have no special names, except Chris we sometimes refer to as a trickster. You're in the middle of a story, Tim. Would you proceed?
7: Yes. Anyway, this this town in Brazil was one day possessed by a UFO. The, uh, possessed? Appeared at, at noon, and, and five or six people in this town, totally unrelated to each other, didn't know what the other uh, the person was doing, picked up pen and paper and started writing. And they received basically the same message. It was a warning about a Holocaust uh, to come. And uh, some of these people were just—they were not the same after that. And we found time after time. Well, let's take for example Kenneth Arnold, and this is something that I, I'm sure is not known by the majority of people. But I've read interviews uh, with him in the local newspaper. He used to live in Iowa. I remember, he even was running for uh, vice president with uh, Eisenhower uh, back in the, that would have been. Uh, the-
1: no, no, no. I remember lieutenant governor of the state of Iowa.
7: Okay, but he was going he was going to uh, run with Eisenhower, I believe.
1: You mean Any, anyway, right before Nixon in, got in,
7: aboard? Anyway, he was he was involved in local politics, and uh, he was the I guess he coined pretty much the term "flying the saucer," although that's debatable. Uh, anyway, he, uh, uh, Arnold had an interest in UFOs because of his own sighting, and he had investigated numerous cases. But he found as he got deeper and deeper into the mystery. A UFO mystery that things started occurring around him that were of a very spooky nature. He told of seeing entities, angelic uh, wing type beings, seated in the trees outside of his home. And there was one particular incident where he actually saw his rocking chair moving back and forth as if some invisible entity uh, were seated in it. Now, this this has happened time and time again, where people that have had these sightings led a very normal life, they find themselves actually being pulled into this uh, phantasmagorical situation, and I call this the darker side of ufology now there are a lot of people who uh only see this in a positive vein but there are a lot of things that have happened here that could be uh, construed as being very negative and and that's what i've kind of become interested in uh in in the last uh, few years because it it isn't all sweetness and light out in the galaxy
2: well uh, you know i can i, I want to comment on that i i too feel it's very important for field investigators to maintain cordial but uh you know fairly loose but um maintain relationships with individuals that have had on experiences of the unusual especially close encounter type experiences i think uh the experience uh is not what should be the focus of investigations i think it's the people that have these experiences that are the the important thing that should be focused on and this is not uh something that you see in the mufon manual let's let's say uh and and I think Tim brings up a, a very good point that once you've had, uh, you know, an extraordinary experience, it does seem to raise the likelihood or the odds are that you're going to have additional ones. Now, I don't particularly think that you become a magnet for this uh, type of of activity. Um, I, I don't. I I disagree with you somewhat on that, Tim. But it does make you more aware of your surroundings, and you tend to be you tend to be a lot more um, observant and sensitive to things that are going on around you. And, and I think people, uh, once they've had an experience, um, they tend to pick up on things and don't discount them like most people do who haven't had an experience. Uh,
7: you know, I don't know, Chris, if I would agree with you uh, uh, on that. Uh, for example, there was a uh, uh, family lived lived uh, near uh, Somerset, uh, New Jersey. And they had had a sighting of a UFO on the way home one night this thing was hovering and illuminating a um, billboard, you know, an advertisement on the uh, on, a, on the highway. Now, if that isn't uh, free publicity, I don't know what is, right? But uh, anyway, they went home, and uh, like a day or so later, all sorts of weird things started happening uh, that had never happened to them uh, before. Now, you don't usually equate seeing a UFO... With the paranormal or demonic uh, phenomena, I I don't think this is something that goes through the average person's mind. So it's not uh, certainly if they hadn't uh, read any literature on the subject, and there wasn't very much published of a kind of a negative uh, bent uh, back uh, you know five or ten years ago um, uh, even. Uh, So weird things started happening uh, around them. They started hearing voices in the basement, as if somebody was talking from you know under the basement floor, and it was concrete. Okay. Uh, there was an incident where uh, this uh, individual lost a, a a wedding ring. It it just vanished, and they found it a couple of days later. It was in the bread box. Now, come on, things like this are are just you know this. There's,
2: there's, well, there's yeah, the spooky. point well taken, Tim. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, there are exceptions. Tim Edwards, okay. who uh, was the okay. one that filmed the famous uh, Salida six minutes of daylight footage back in 95 would be an example of a case where he did seem to turn into some sort of magnet. And he had all kinds of, of events that he was able to film some and photograph and, and it definitely his life was changed. Uh, But I think he's, he's the exception uh, to the rule for all the, the people that you can bring up, and I can bring up out of my my case logs and my database, for, for the people that we can bring up that have had repeat-type experiences, there's many, many more that haven't, that, that, that they experienced a standalone-type experience well, that may or been may been not have changed things? their thinking.
7: How many people have actually gone back in and uh, you, you mentioned uh, these uh, people that didn't have these experiences? how do we know that I mean have we gone back or has somebody gone back in and uh, spoken with them uh, uh, well know, I can know, only
2: to, speak for uh, for my work I can only speak yeah. for my work and I and I do attempt to uh, to check back uh, periodically with witnesses it, it, especially when I was living in the San Luis Valley I made it a point of, yeah, well, of I was keeping just in touch say, though, with you.
7: Chris your stuff is so strange to begin with it starts out by being paranormal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well you, you, you got me there tim i don 't know how to how to respond to that, but my point is that i don 't think we have enough quality follow up uh work being done out there, and I agree that there is a very good possibility and even possibly a likelihood that people are experiencing uh a higher you know elevated uh, level of these unusual experiences after they have been exposed to it but until we do the kind of follow-up work that we need, we can't really just have a knee-jerk reaction and say, oh, well, this this is obviously what's going on. People are having more experiences once they've opened that door, well, had that door well, open. I,
7: I think we're, we're, we're here uh, speaking with, with each other, and I think we tend to lump all UFO sightings and all UFO phenomena as one thing. And, of course, you can't really uh, do that. So, in, in fact, there is no way to separate the different types of experiences here—that's that, one of the things that's, that's happening. So you can't really make a blanket statement about uh, almost anything because there is yeah, you know,
2: exactly, exactly—it's filled with nuance. The minute,
7: that, the minute that anyone says to me that they have all the answers or they are the only ones uh, privileged to, uh, you know, to maintain contact, I, I walk out of the room. I mean, I just—it's it, it's so much nonsense for anybody to say that that it's. Uh, it 's almost insulting
2: yeah now, well i mean I, I do. you know i I also find it very uh a little bit difficult to be around when when people totally go off the the deep end with this stuff, and you know i've i 've had a, a a case for instance, where um, a guy did have a legitimate what I feel was a legitimate experience, and then for the next three years he every single you know movement in the trees uh every uh, strange uh, light landing lights or something that would appear. I mean he was on the phone with me, uh, just bending my ear about all this stuff. And upon further investigation, I was able to to debunk uh, most, if not all, of these of these claims and, and, and waste a lot of time. So people do go off the deep end and and feel that every little thing that happens, regardless of, of how strange or how strange it is, they just go off the deep end and everything is, is, they become obsessed. And so you do have that the psychological element of people becoming special destiny people in their own mind and, and every little thing that happens just totally is, you know, mind-shattering to them. So, you know, it, it, the human mind is, <laughs> you know, is a, is a weird and wonderful thing. And, and Chris, it sounds like it sensitizes you to paranoia especially if the
1: experience was frightening, suddenly you look askance at everything.
2: Well, certain personality types, sure, will respond that way. Other people go into complete denial. So, you know, th- there is no, as Tim was pointing out, one-size-fits-all blanket sort of rule of thumb or axiom about this. I, I do agree that I think there is a, a greater likelihood of you experiencing further weird things after you've had a, a paradigm-shifting event in your life. I, I do agree with that. But again, as Tim Tim pointed out, a lot more follow-up needs to be done in this area.
1: And certainly we don't want to be able to make an analysis about someone's psychology without having a professional take a look at it.
7: Well, well Chris, do you, do you have at least one, one good case that you can think of that you followed up where – there was some paranormal activity.
2: Yeah, I do actually. I've ha- I've had several, but again, out of the thousands that I investigated, they you know they're the exception, not the not the norm or the rule. But I do have some. Yeah, some repeat uh, cases. Um, I have a, a, a three generation abduction case that's very intriguing. Uh, so, you know, I think I think a lot of this uh, affects you know this type of of, of unusual occurrences and and events affect people differently depending on the kind of personality types that they are we're going to be impacted very seriously in a moment
1: if we don't do this we have tim beckley claudia cunningham chris is going to talk further about three generations of abductions he just really started my curiosity we should bring that up again with gene and chris you're in the Paracast.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: In the second hour of the Paracast, with Claudia Cunningham making her first appearance with some unusual tales, Tim Beckley always has a story. But Chris, you dropped this thing, you've probably referenced it before. You mentioned someone, or family, three generations of abductions. Just maybe cover that very briefly for those who missed it.
2: You know, with with all the work that I did in the field for 13 years, uh, you know, pounding the ground literally, I, I would have expected to come up with more claims of abductions. And out of all that time, I only had four people that claimed that they had been abducted. Out of those four, two of them were really intriguing. And I do mention those in my book, Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, in one of the final chapters. This one case was of a rancher woman, a single mom, mother, you know, hard worker, um, very gifted with horses and and livestock. And uh, her case was referred to me by the sheriff's department. I befriended her uh, to the extent of she was able to trust me enough to tell me her story. And it, it turns out that um, when she was growing up in the Denver area, uh, her family experienced some very unusual sighting events. Uh, her her mother, you know, may have had, and again, I, I was not able to ascertain this uh, definitively. But she claimed that she had had experiences that she hadn't told her family about, uh, and her daughter then started experiencing things uh, back in the late '80s, if memory serves me correct. After she had moved down to the San Luis Valley. And then currently her her daughter uh, was having experiences, but I was not allowed to really uh, interview the daughter extensively. I, I did get some confirmation of some events that had happened, but uh, she was very, very nervous about, about spooking her little girl too much. She had a missing uh, fetus uh, when she, I think she was entering the third trimester of pregnancy, which is highly unusual.
1: Excuse me, uh, missing fetus, like one day she wakes up and...
2: There is no pregnancy. Right, and no evidence of her ever even being pregnant, which Ew. really blew her uh, obstetrician away. That's, happened. that's
7: been reported.
2: Yeah, it's pretty rare, though. That's, that's, that's pretty rare. Third trimester of pregnancy. <laughs> that's, that's rare. Um, she's very, very nervous. She had a men in black encounter. She claimed uh, that the, the Blues Brothers were down at the end of her driveway stealing her mail. Uh, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd sounds, and, sounds like a, possibility. and a tall guy and a short pudgy guy dressed in black fedoras. You know. Okay, so this was Dan Aykroyd and the late John Belushi. <laughs> well, they they were far enough away where she couldn't really idea who the people were, but she said they looked just like the Blues Brothers in the in the in Elwood's movie. In, in black. In yes, oh yeah, so, yeah I, all dressed in black. I,
7: actually, you, you, you know, got, uh, Dan Aykroyd is a, a big fan of UFOs. His father just wrote a book on spiritualism. Right. And uh, he had a, a, a an and black experience, so I think there might be something to that appearance in the, uh, the, <laughs> in
2: the movie. Well, uh, some of some of the things that she mentioned about her experiences uh, really had me scratching my head. But she did have a certain amount of documentation, which was very difficult to argue with, and the fact that that the sheriff's department had been investigating her case, and they at, at one point they they kind of reached you know loggerheads with the whole thing. They they really didn't know what else to do. That's when I was called in, and. Uh, you don't get cases of that caliber referred to you by law enforcement very often. This is a highly unusual uh, to, to my knowledge. Uh, of course, I was kind of <laughs> called the unofficial deputy of weirdness uh, for some, several counties there for a while, but so much was going on. You encourage people by your mere presence to reveal their paranormal encounters. You're a well, paranormal I, I, man. I, no, I don't think I encourage people. I, I I just make sure that they know that if they need to talk to somebody, that there is someone that would, would be willing to be objective and nonjudgmental and and talk to them. Plus, you know, I I do try to to make people aware that the data is very important. Even though you you let's say you want to remain anonymous, at least. Uh, Give me the opportunity to log the data and investigate the claim, uh, I, but encourage people. No, I, I'm I'm pretty, pretty neutral about that part of it. Claudia, before yeah.
1: we let you go and you told us you could only spend part of the show with us, any more interesting tales to reveal?
8: Well, there are many uh, places in the city itself that have a reputation of being haunted. But before I I tell you that, um, I and I did have I don't know if it was a UFO experience, but I was coming back from Ireland about 15 years ago, and I was in a plane coming up the Hudson River, and I was kind of looking down, and right near the shoreline uh, there was this little silver disc that was keeping pace with our plane and it was kind of doing flips and you know all these gyrations. Uh, for about maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And I always wondered about that. Have you ever heard of anything like that?
7: Well, there have been any number of instances where UFOs have followed planes pretty close, where people, passengers have looked out the window and they're sure. right there next to them. Yeah,
1: yeah there have been yeah. a number, especially in the early days of the UFO field, when we were reading all those books from Major Kehoe and the one from Edward Ruppelt. There were stories of airline encounters where the UFOs seem to be coming closer.
2: Yeah, Ray Stanford has three films uh, filmed out of airliners. Plus, there's been quite a number of good photographs of objects that seem to be pacing uh, airplanes. Um, how about this one, though? Uh, I had the the NOW, the current sheriff of a county. At the time, he was a deputy sheriff. Uh, he was up fishing at a reservoir, and he heard the sound of a plane, and he looked up, and he said, a Cessna flew by about 1,000, 1,200 feet off the ground, but it was flying backwards, <laughs> I love that wow. one. Well,
1: that's what the airline pilots are doing now that their salaries are not as high as they used to be. They have this philosophy well, if you're not going to pay us a decent dollar, we'll fly backwards.
8: I love it. I think I've written with a that few That seems of those. like
7: the
1: way to go.
8: <laughs> Could I ask a question before I, I pack up? I'd like to know how many of you think that at least part of this Men in Black thing and UFO situation is spiritual, the old good versus evil? demonic.
7: Yeah, well that that would be my uh, my feeling at the moment. Although people kind of misunderstand when I I say uh, uh, demons my, my book is titled Roundtrip to Hell and a Flying Saucer. They they think of it in the Christian fundamentalist uh, sense and I'm far from being the most uh, religious uh, person in the in the world here. Uh, I see it as uh, when you say spiritual, I see it as uh, spirits. If we remember Alistair Crowley would often invite um, beings from parallel universes uh, in To to join him in some uh, ritualistic uh, ceremonies. And and I think.
2: I wouldn't say often, but he did do it.
7: Well, he did. Well, he claims to have done it at least, yes. But um, I I do believe that uh, we are part of a multi dimensional cosmos and that uh, these craft that we call UFOs are not, in a sense, coming here from Alpha Centauri like uh, Stanton Friedman would have you believe. Uh, In fact,. I believe after years of research into this field, and you can't go into this with blinders on, and this is what a lot of people like to do. They have a preconceived idea. They don't want to hear anything else. Block it out of their mind. They will talk over you if you have another idea. I do believe that the government secretly fostered the idea that flying saucers were interplanetary. It could well have been that even groups like NICAP, Uh, were organized uh, for this purpose. Because, in fact, if you go back and you check the roster of those who were on the board of directors and closely involved with Kehoe's work, you'll find that a lot of them had a government and CIA connection. The government
1: would Well, you know, some people... Okay, that's the old conspiracy theory about NICAP. Yes. But the other theory being, of course, that because Kehoe was ex-military, he had so many friends from the military who came aboard. But the other theory, of course, is that anyone who had any military connection had to be one of them.
7: Well, this goes back even further uh, now, Gene. I I also believe that this porthole was opened by, in Germany, around 1920. In a secret society, there was a secret society made up of what eventually became members of the SS and the uh, German Nazi hierarchy, who were actually holding seances. There were eight very attractive uh, women with long hair. They didn't have their hair usually, uh, that wasn't the style in those days. So instead of three
1: men in dark suits, it's women, three women with long hair?
7: (laughs) This was was eight women, and they sat in a seance in a a, uh, secret society meeting in a lodge, a hunting lodge, and they actually claimed that they had channeled messages from beings from another dimension, and in fact they actually took down the uh, the graphics uh, illustrated through automatic writing, of what the craft will look like. And if you compare those draw- uh, drawings that were made in the 1920s to the craft that were supposedly cited by Georgia Adamski and others in the uh, the uh, 1950s, it's shockingly similar.
1: I'll tell you what's shockingly oh, similar. Think- this message, we're talking to Claudia Cunningham and Tim Beckley. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Awaits.
11: Hey, everybody, Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now, look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate. So you could lose money. Gold goes up and down. But every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge, and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery so you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought, and if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, and tell them Jason Lewis sent you.
12: Love easy targets like a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, comes with AC adapter, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call one 877 5 TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and give one or more for Christmas. Now through Christmas, get free standard shipping on any quantity fake TV purchase. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download, direct from theparacast.com. That's
1: theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. On these shows, you notice with Chris O'Brien, his voice gets to be more... Demonic? (laughs) Demonic. Well, you're not doing at least the trickster imitation. Please don't. We have Tim Beckley, Claudia Cunningham. And Tim, you're telling us about the seance. But isn't it also true that, you know, for years we've been hearing these stories about weird Nazi experiments and developments. I mean, on a previous week's episode with Ed Komarik, he was talking about... A 1936 UFO crash in the Black Forest.
7: Well, that's—I don't know if that's substantiated uh, or not. By the way, you forgot to ask uh, Ed about his firewalking. The first time I met Ed, it was—he was—he or, or, had organized that year the Congress of Scientific Ufologists. Of course, founded by Jim
1: Mosley. And you he and I were very much involved in that organization.
7: Well, were you not uh, there when he walked across fire in his backyard? as part of the mystical experiences of uh, having organized uh, that uh, particular conference. I don't remember what year it was, but that has to probably be one of the uh, uh, the most spectacular events associated with one of Jim's uh, uh, yearly events. And and that's something I don't think I've ever heard anybody, yet. mind over matter. Uh, that's, that's what it was, of course. I don't well, exactly. remember that well,
2: one. Well, getting well, back to, to Claudia's on. question, Tim, one thing that I find very intriguing is the work of Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who I've talked to recently and is becoming more and more and more convinced that many of the paranormal aberrations and haunted sites and uh, more of the paranormal type events are the work of the jinn. She has really become convinced that the Islamic Version of or explanation of paranormal phenomena, which is uh, the jinn, is applicable in m- most, if not all, paranormal cases. So, I- in that case, we're talking about potential you know, negative jinn, and there's yeah, positive well, dj- dj-
7: jinn. Jinn is the, uh, just the uh, Islamic uh, version of a of a Christian uh, d- a demon. It's all one and the same. In
2: fact, no, no, it's not. I, no, it's not. I yeah, disagree it, totally. It, 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 Chris, they even be, uh, possess people, and they even have
7: exorcisms. Did, did
2: you realize that? If right, you, right, you, but they're a positive, right, gen yeah. as well. It, it, it's not well, totally is. negative. Yeah, yeah. That's well, the Christian yeah, on the, view. On the
7: other hand, there are also po- probably positive spirits, too. So to me, it's just a slightly different de- uh, explanation or definition of what a, a, a demon uh, would be. It's just a matter of terminology and a matter of uh, of a name.
2: Well, yeah, I think it goes beyond that, though. There are specific attributes uh, within the Islamic version or explanation uh, def- definition there. Twelve different types of gin. Uh, you know there 's not twelve different types of demons demons is a catch all phrase for no, no, something that that is either. perceived as being negative
7: well i do 't think you 've probably read that much literature on the subject because there certainly are different rankings of demons anyway mm-hmm. it's, it, the thing is is that you 're right I think a lot of this is a spiritual or a paranormal um, um, event and a lot of people uh, they have sightings and these these are well in fact in the in the uh, book I did an interview with you. Uh, about the shapeshifters. And so right. not only does it turn out that the, the beings themselves can uh, uh, mutate, but the objects as well. Uh, there are a number of cases where I've talked to witnesses, and they were particularly puzzled by the fact that, lo and behold, right in front of their eyes, the uh, craft that they were witnessing went from a large ball to a small cigar or vice versa. Uh, right, or even,
2: uh, even morphed into a helicopter. I had one case where a, a sphere turned into a helicopter. Now I've got footage of a helicopter turning into a sphere.
8: Now, what oh, can are the I best say something? You know? Shoot. Okay, if you go to YouTube and type in "airplane morphs into UFO," it's amazing. I don't know if it's a trick photography or what, but it sure looks real. You'll see it. Well, it also, also
2: could be light, a light bloom too, from the the angle of the sun reflecting off the craft. I have footage from the San Luis Valley that looks like a, a perfect sphere sailing yeah. across the sky and the first five frames, if you notice, it's actually a helicopter and it's right when the sun hits that round canopy that boom, it, the light blooms and it looks like a perfect silver sphere flying across the screen. So, well, you know, light, light, light to do interesting things. Yeah. A
7: couple of days ago yeah. in Moscow, there was a video that was uh, taken during one of the uh, Putin protests there. And, yeah, that was uh, Putin uh, cam. This, this is the weirdest thing in the sky. It looks across between a UFO and a helicopter.
2: Yeah, it's Putin cam.
7: <laughs>
8: yeah
2: it was <laughs> we know what taking pictures and notes
8: our friend charles fort said and i love this and i always remember that he said not only is the world stranger than we know it's stranger than we can know and i don't think any of us have the answers but we at least we have the questions it takes you into some fascinating places right
2: right it's the people that ask the more interesting questions and get creative with their questions that uh I think, have a better chance of moving the ball down the field. Let's put it that way.
8: Right. Well, we live in an era when, you know, people don't read books anymore. They don't ask questions. They accept everything that's told. And I think people with uh, the curiosity, I think, live uh, the more interesting lives. I know I'll never be a normal housewife. I always, I'm an adventurer and all my friends are. And, uh, you know, just meeting Tim, which was such a, a fun thing, you know, people through him. And it's opened my, my mind up. Hundred times from what it was. What's left of it, Tim? I loved talking to him. We had such a great time in the cemetery. Too bad you guys weren't with us. We had a lot of laughs. If you are ever up New York Way, let's all get together. I'll take you on a tour.
2: Oh, sounds like a plan.
7: I'm sure Charles Fort would like to talk to us all.
8: Oh, well, we yeah, can we'll do a little him.
2: seance or something.
8: That's
7: right.
1: Hey there, Charlie. I wonder what Charles Fort believed. What do you think he believed, Tim? That we are Charles property. Fort. We are property. That's it. But well, you kind of like think he, when he, you say that kind of non-seriously.
7: Well, I don't know. You know, of course, some of the uh, his writings are somewhat uh, satirical. You know, I mean, uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek. But then he was invest- He was a professional writer, and he was a good, you know, good writer. He took all that material and put it together in a coherent uh, fashion. My God, if a lot of other people didn't come along long after him and just rewrite all of what he had written, you know, and he covered more than just UFOs. Of course, he was very much involved in mysterious disappearances and hauntings and things that go a bump in the night. In in general, he he had a massive collection, of course, of, of all this. Uh, he, he went spent hours, uh, probably half of his life. In the library, both in England, and then you know he was born in England, of course, but he came here with his family. Uh, I think maybe in the 1920s or so, and that's why they are buried in Albany. I've often wondered about that. I don't really know that much about his family or his uh, background. I'm sure other people have uh, written about it. Yeah,
8: see, there are a yeah. couple
1: of biographies. Sure.
8: Yeah, there's a brand new one out. I grabbed it. I didn't read the whole thing, but I think he was a, a cynic in the beginning and then was a believer, kind of like Harry Houdini, who was also a, a cynic. I think he died a cynic, though, didn't he?
7: Well, Harry Houdini was beyond cynic. <laughs> I, I, he,
2: I, he was a debunker. I, I he was,
7: yeah, his livelihood depended upon, to a good degree, a debunking virtualist, you know. In, he was, was the first, days, the
2: amazing
1: people, Randy, the original debunker. He,
7: he was indeed, yes. Houdini uh, traveled uh, actually around the country and the world, debating Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I mean, they both uh, just like thrived on each other. Doyle, of course, is a big, big believer in, in spiritualism. You know, I've I've read some of Doyle's work. Uh, we have a couple of books on uh, Houdini. And I do believe that some of the manifestations that took place uh, in the seance room, it was not all fraudulent like Harry Houdini would have you believe. In fact, if you compare what happened in the, the seance room, there's a great deal of similarities between the phenomena there and the UFO uh,
1: phenomena. We have Tim Beckley, Claudia Cunningham, who's leaving shortly. Thanks for joining us, Claudia. And with Gene and Chris, you're always in the Paracast.
9: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network.
17: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. of the Rocklands, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
15: Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free, 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1,
18: the raw probiotic. What happened, man? You used to be energetic, happy, and wow, did the ladies love you. Now, you fall asleep on the couch, irritable, and out of shape. Don't be that guy. Call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male, a natural supplement shown to raise testosterone by 50% and maintain healthy, normal levels. No injections, no appointments. With healthy testosterone levels, you can feel that energy again, that great outlook again, and yes, even a healthy sex drive. Right now, you can try Ageless Male risk-free. There's nothing to lose, guys. If you're a man who's noticed changes in your body, your mood, your sex life, call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male. Be the guy you used to be. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Don't wait another day. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Again, 1-888-246-0623. The world's best
12: solar-powered oven has gotten better. Sun ovens are now available with a brand-new Christmas sun dehydrating and preparedness kit, which includes everything required for cooking, water pasteurization, and dehydrating with the power of the sun. Prepared families are storing food for months and years, but only have enough fuel stored for days or weeks. A sun oven lets you harness the sun's power to bake, boil, or steam food, heat water for purification or personal hygiene, or dehydrate. For the past 25 years, sun ovens have been proudly made in the U.S., are durable, and have a long life, and come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations. For a limited time, preppers can save $65 on the purchase of a Christmas sun dehydrating and preparedness kit. For a discount coupon, visit sunoven.com slash GCN. That's sunoven.com slash GCN.
14: Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me.
1: Tim Beckley, remain. Claudia Cunningham has left the building. You're with Gene and Chris. You're in the PowerCast. Exploring so many subjects, you can't keep up with them. All this paranoia in the UFO field. And you have to wonder here sometimes, Tim, maybe you can expand on this, whether the paranoia is being generated by our reactions to UFOs and paranormal phenomena, by the military trying to as they say, create confusion. What's your take on it? Well, of
7: course, uh, there are a lot of people in the UFO field that are uh, paranoid. You know something, though, uh, Gene and Chris, I don't think that those people are the ones that are the experiencers so much. There tends to be a lot of um, hoopla among the um, researchers in the the field, you know, who feel that there's some great conspiracy uh, going on. Well, I think the reason that there is a conspiracy, I mean, for the most part, uh, is that how can, you know, Obama go on TV that uh, you know, soon to said in his, his group there, uh, expects the uh, the government to come clean on UFOs. Well, how could they possibly do that? First of all, well, let's just so, back so, up so, a little
1: so. bit. You're talking about the recent petition sent to Obama. Yes.
7: Yeah, well, not, not only just that, but uh, this goes back to the days of uh, Keyhole and all of that. You know, you can push the extraterrestrial theory all the that you want, but unless uh, you and I can go out on uh, dancing with the stars and uh, tap dance with a uh, with an ET or something, you can't you can't prove it. I mean, I speak no... for
1: yourself about dancing with ET, please. <laughs> <Britain>? <laughs> I don't dance.
7: <laughs> you don't dance. Well, I I can do a little uh, jitterbug and uh, but the, uh, it, it, it's it, it's not happening. I mean, if the UFO uh, entity entities or uh, notice I call them entities. Uh, want us, wanted us to uh, to represent them or acknowledge their existence, they would be here. And the fact of the matter is, is that as soon as you get close enough, uh, they they disappear. They hightail it out of town or, or across the uh, the vacant lot. Or, there has been this uh, overwhelming conception that the uh, government knows exactly what is uh, going on and they're hiding it uh, from us. Well, you know, maybe some. One or two individuals in the uh, uh, in the uh, higher uh, echelon. Certainly not Obama or anybody else that ran for president. Maybe the closest was Ronald Reagan because he, you know, kind of had his own, uh, you know, experiences and was uh, his wife was into astrology and and things like that. Maybe he had a little bit more uh, inkling. But even uh, Jimmy Carter and uh, uh, Clinton. Uh, you know who were uh, aggressively interested in the subject. It was brushed aside. They were told there was either nothing to it or it wasn't important at all. Well, the government can't go. First of all, who speaks for the uh, the, the government as far as this uh, goes? You know, they people would say, "Oh, it's a if Obama got on TV and and talked about the uh, arrival of extraterrestrials." Some the right wingers would say it's a false flag. Others uh, would say that he was, you know, the Christians would say that he's in league with the demonic uh, forces. How in God's name could anyone from the government? They would be either stoned or boohooed out of uh, uh, politics. It's just a uh, it's something that you can't uh, touch. And also, uh, so basically,
1: saying here is that the government, in your interpretation, Tim can never reveal the truth about UFOs because we would dismiss it, we wouldn't believe them.
7: Again, what is the truth about UFOs? Well, let's assume there is a truth,
1: Tim. Let's forget what the truth is. Let's assume there's a truth. They know the truth, and therefore, they're ready to tell us. Obama's in the Oval Office, whatever, we have the cameras. He says, I have to tell you that we have confirmed that we are apparently being visited by aliens from another planet. And you're saying basically that okay, as far as we're concerned, we wouldn't accept that. We'd want to have him impeached.
7: Maybe the the public would, but the military-industrial complex certainly wouldn't. And uh, as you probably uh, realize, they seem, at least uh, in this day and age, to be pulling the strings. So why do we need an intelligence from somewhere else to... Maybe be smarter than we are. That's not something that any government uh, allows. I don't care if you're China, the United States, or or the uh, um, some smaller country in Africa. Whoever is your your leader is your leader. There cannot be anyone higher than uh, than that. You know. So that that's another thing. Also, too, if it's is demonic uh, uh, the forces, or let's call it spiritual spirit uh, the forces or jinn. Could you go on TV, uh, Chris, and say it's the djinn? I mean, first no, of all... No, can't of course
2: country, not. Of, co- of course yeah, not. it, and and it may even be, be. more... Uh, Tim, it could be even more bizarre than that. It could be a manifestation of the collective human unconscious. We could be manifesting all this stuff.
7: Yeah, well, that you, can, that you can't... Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, so it's just... The only, the only thing that they... Uh, you know, I could see at some point maybe they would say that we have evidence that there was once... Uh, You know, like uh, some structure on the moon or somebody might have visited uh, Mars or perhaps even, uh, you know, uh, come to uh, Earth in the distant past. But that's a long time ago. Yes, Tim, but think of it this
1: way. Another approach might be where you gradually reveal the information, like now we discover all these planets with Earth-like qualities, the class M planet.
7: We're we're going out how many years since 1947? We're going 60 years or something like that. It's not been gradual. It hasn't been anything.
2: Well, maybe it has. How do you know? How do well, you know yeah, that I think the, how, media, how, you know, the media has been programming culture to accept these realities, uh, these these things as real?
7: I don't know. It's, to
2: me, it's, it's, you know, the people
7: who – you take Steven Spielberg and his films, right? Well, he's made UFO films where – You know, angelic beings have been seen. He's had, uh, you know, like uh, all kinds of monsters uh, from uh, outer uh, space. There doesn't really seem to be, as far as I can tell, a message, except that maybe movie makers tend to be a little bit more uh, open-minded than some people. So they'll throw out the possibility that these things uh, could be uh, real. I don't know, as if there's a great cultural uh, uh, swing to do anything on this, and if it was, it's kind of evaporated over the uh, over the uh, years. You know, you could say something like, "Oh, um, uh, the day the earth stood still," which still re- remains my uh, favorite uh, all-time UFO science fiction uh, movie. Um, there might have been a message uh, in the, in that. The message in Close Encounters was that Steve Spielberg was uh, kind of putting down. Uh, um, uh, in the cinema fashion, what he what had fascinated him as a uh, as a child. You know, I was the uh, uh, editor or one of the editors of the official uh, Close Encounters poster uh, magazine. Uh, it was a quarterly that came out after the uh, the film. Of course, that was huge box office in those days, and and I was privy to get a lot of this uh, information. And I interviewed a couple of the actors that was on. You know, that, uh, were in the. Um, In the film, Bob Balaban, in fact, I was on a couple of TV shows with him. So I got all the literature. You know, my job was to uh, take the movie and show how it related to real life goings on. And and obviously, uh, Spielberg had done his work. He had grown up just like the three of us reading UFO literature. So, of course, they
3: also bought
1: rights to Dr. Hynek's book.
7: Well, I'm not sure they broke what the rights. He was used as a uh, consultant in the and they they used the the terminology, but they probably would have gone ahead and done it anyway. uh, Because from what I know, they didn't pay him a vast uh, sum of uh, money, uh, hardly uh, anything, from what I can tell. But anyway, you know that was to me that would be the closest to to uh, UFO propaganda. But it's not uh, government inspired. It was inspired by Steve Spielberg because of what had happened to him as a uh, as a uh, growing up, and his own interest in the subject. Not by any. Any means was he, he uh, told or forced to do that by um, any government agency? Although I still well, contend that uh, I still contend that they'd rather have you believe that uh, flying saucers, the UFOs, are from out there. If you're going to believe in anything, believe that they're from out there and don't believe that they're anything closer to home.
2: Because yeah, because that would be that would be infinitely more scary. I think people would be oh, more frightened, course, if scary did and it. more
7: scary, and it would turn the religion over uh, upside down. Because anything anything gets people panicking in the street as far as religion goes. I, I mean, it, it it doesn't matter what the uh, you know the thing is, and if it were the djinn or UFOs or whatever, and and you you know they would say, oh, they're angels or Satan. God knows, you can't, you can't do it. It just—I'll tell you it, what, our sponsors,
1: our sponsors are going to be panicking in the streets if we don't let them have their say. We have Tim Beckley, Mister UFO, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. See if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code Owl. Use the coupon code Owl to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LEMKESOFT.COM. That's L-E-M-K-E soft.com. L-E-M-K-E-SOFT.COM. LEMKESOFT.COM. L-E-M-K-E-SOFT.COM. If you're taking one, two,
6: five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body... Is- is a no-brainer. Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at bioage.com, spelled b-i-o-a-g-e.com, bioage.com, or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. BioAge,
15: the age of advanced organics. Solar power. power. Hand crank power. power. Radio power. power. The goods you want, the good deals you need to power up your survival are at 21stCenturyGoods.com. In our solar department, you'll find solar generator kits, solar lanterns, flashlights, radios, and solar cell phone and laptop chargers. 21stCenturyGoods.com is your hand crank headquarters for everything from generators to flashlights, to emergency, weather, and shortwave radios by Grundig and Cato. Big brand names and big deals, like this. Get a free solar flashlight with every order over $75. But hurry, offer ends soon. Go to 21stCenturyGoods.com, spelled the number two. To the number one, ST Century Goods.com. That's 21st Century com. or call 866 999 8422. 21st Century Power up your survival.
12: The perfect water for drinking, bathing, and cleaning right at your fingertips? Yes, you can now have the most powerful water ionizer on the market for less than half the price of competitors. The Genesis Platinum Water Ionizer from GibsonsHealth.com creates the perfect drinking water of 9.5 pH, automatically cleans every time you use it, and even tells you when to change filters. Other 7-plate water ionizers are priced at two dollars or even $3,000. But the Genesis Platinum is only $16.95. Get yours today at GibsonsHealth.com. Under Nutritionals, be sure to click on Essential Oils for Aromatic Liquids extracted from a broad range of flowers, stems, seeds, and bark. And to really balance your body, click on Go Green, the most complete green drink available, necessary for survival. All this and more are found at GibsonsHealth.com. Call 800-388-6844. That's 800-388-6844 or GibsonsHealth.com. Healthful living since 1974.
14: Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: With Gene and Chris, we're talking to Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO. Claudia Cunningham had joined us earlier, and we're looking into, I guess, the impossibility of disclosure, which I guess is the sum total of it.
7: Okay, Gene and Chris, let let me tell you why I I think also, too, there is no disclosure. Because the dirty little secret of ufology is that a lot of what took place, at least in the the late 1940s and early 1950s, and perhaps even now to some extent, was uh, inspired by uh, the Nazi scientists – Listen to this. Okay. We know that about 4,000 ex Nazi scientists and engineers were brought over to the United States directly after World War II as part of uh, Project uh, Paperclip. Uh, uh, A lot of the documents have been uh, declassified. Two of the staunchest supporters of the extraterrestrial theory happen to be Professor Herman Oberth and Warner von Braun.
1: This sounds like a repetition of what Ed Comeric told us.
7: Oh, okay. I missed that part. I did hear part of the show, but okay. Uh, They were brought over, and where did they set up shop, uh, uh, Gene and Chris, in the state of New Mexico? Where were most of the UFO sightings that took place uh, around the uh, the late 1950s? uh, uh, early 1990s, Well, the entire West Coast, from place. Washington down uh, well, to California. The, south- the Southwest, southwest, the green fireballs uh, and, and all. So I believe that this uh, technology that was being developed in uh, Hitler's uh, Germany uh, that uh, came from these seances and the drawings and all the information that came from automatic writing, that they bought this technology over here and were continuing to experiment with it. How do you explain that to the populace that we 've got german nazi you know scientists running around here and we brought them over when some of them should have certainly been in in prison? Or, or the, God knows what, right? So better to believe that uh, none of this is uh, is involved with these uh, these German uh, reports and, and German projects that were uh, uh, being worked on at that uh, point. Better to believe that they come from uh, extraterrestrial sources because the government would be and should be ashamed. Of the fact that they were continuing this research here under the skies of uh, the, the V2 rocket and so forth. Okay, I mean,
1: but that's, that, that's the point that we're raising, Tim. Tim. Okay, so therefore you're saying that maybe a certain percentage of those UFO cases from that particular era were basically secret weapons.
16: Well,
7: yes, but it's based on the information that came through by a paranormal nature. These uh, eight women and the other, the other mediums that were working and later were working for the German uh, the Nazi government, right, they were providing them with information regarding this technology. So even though you say it's Earth made technology, well, it originated from some other uh, interdimensional source. Now, there's a little bit of information. That I, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but th- this is what I conclude. I mean, I, I just look at this and I say, well, there's not a heck of a lot of evidence, uh, you know, that these things are from uh, outer space. I mean, you could say that something, uh, you know, uh, followed a, a plane, but that doesn't tell you where it it, it comes from, right? We don't know who's uh, in, in inside of these uh, things. They 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 come and they go, and they transmutate, uh, change shape, and do whatever they want. It's like magic. It's not ex- it's not extraterrestrial. If it was an extraterrestrial race, they would come here. They would uh, leave some uh, sort of a uh, message uh, for us, even if they wouldn't confront us face to face. Remember, I think it was Carl Sagan who made this record, and they put it in one of the uh, the, uh, the space probes and sent it out. So, if the space probe was captured or anybody, uh, they would find a record and be able to play it. As if anybody? Oh,
2: yeah, Chuck yeah, Berry. I think Johnny be Good right was on there. And I,
7: I mean, but if that rocket came back here, how many play people could play the disc, right? Because can you imagine? I mean, the record players and uh, to those uh, people, if they were, other, they would. Uh, they develop some other kind of technology, they would just think it was a piece of plastic or, or something, you know, maybe use it as a Frisbee and toss it away. Who knows, right? But, it, you know, it just seems to me that there's enough evidence for something going on, and it's a very low-level uh, phenomenon. It takes place normally below treetop uh, level. I mean, look, he had uh, Ted Phillips uh, on it, and he has, a, of course, that uh, is it Worley Manor, Worley Heights, where he's had uh, the, uh, the sightings and photographed it and filmed it in the woods, mm, and Lally it started wood. out to him... Yeah, it Started out to him as just a typical UFO sighting, but a repeated phenomena, and then it got weirder and weirder and weirder as it, uh, you know, as the whole thing went along. And and Ted is one of the f- uh, few people who uh, has a background in this. Of course, he uh, worked with Dr. Hynek very closely, has more UFO trace cases than probably anybody in the world. And little by little, he became to realize that this is not from outer space. This is something more uh, fringy than that.
2: And I agree. And plus, I think we can all agree that. Probably at some point forty or fifty years ago, uh, the military industrial complex, the aerospace companies, um, you know your your NGO type uh, technology companies, you know, th- this stuff may have been farmed out to them as a as a way of plausible deniability. and it may be on some level, there may be some sort of oversight by the government, but I, I, I have a feeling and a suspicion that a lot of this information, isn't even held within government. I think that, it, that it's your aerospace companies that may have have uh, the lion's share of this type of data. So that would be a way for the government to say, "Hey, we don't know anything, and you can't do an FOI uh, FOIA request uh, to you know Lockheed, or McDonnell Douglas, or Boeing."
7: I mean, you take even the uh, the supposed crash at uh, Roswell now. If you you look at the description of what actually you know landed or crashed there, this does not even sound. I mean, the thing was so lightweight. How could that have possibly traveled with occupants across the uh, the heavens? You know, and and a, a piece of balsa wood with strange uh, writing on it and some aluminum uh, type uh, foil that, um, that flattens out by itself when you try to scrunch it up that doesn 't sound like technology that 's a million uh, you know uh, years ahead of us it doesn 't even sound like it 's uh, uh, fifty years ahead of us to be honest i mean we we 've gone be uh, you know beyond that in computer and uh, digital uh, technology so that to me is a poor example of of a craft from uh, outer space i don 't believe it was a, a a balloon or or anything else there but i I do believe that and a few of these other crashes may have been. Something that uh, these uh, German scientists were working on. Better you believe that it comes from out there than uh, think that it, it comes from a former scientists and engineers from Nazi Germany. Anyway, that, that's my conclusion. You know, any, if you say proof, well, you know, a proof is in the eye of the beholder in this uh, field. What's proof to you may not be proof to me,
2: right? You're preaching to the choir. As far as I'm concerned, I've I've been you know trying to get this point across for years. I really think that we need to exhaust all closed system. Potentials before we get self-important enough to to jump off planet, and I know to many of our listeners they've heard me say that, and it sounds like a broken record. But you know, there's a lot of other possibilities that are being swept under the board and and uh, and you know, bitch slapped by the uh, extraterrestrial yeah. hypothesis. And well, you, you know, I think creative now, thinkers.
7: You have a pretty active forum there. What do what do the listeners say about this? Do they get on your case for? Uh, you know, coming up with other theories and, and ideas. Are, are they uh, anti-extraterrestrials uh, uh, or, or what seems to be the... Uh, uh,
2: the, uh, the pretty pretty evenly split. Coming? I think uh, yeah, right. a lot of folks are open-minded, although they say they they feel the most logical explanation would be something off-planet uh, coming here. Others are the exact opposite. They say, well, you know, they agree with me and that we need to exhaust all the other possibilities before we jump off-planet. So. I think it's very healthy, very open minded and um and, and and lively. Uh everybody uh is able to debate their points, I, I think for the most part, uh effectively
7: well you know the the extraterrestrial uh, uh, hypothesis has had uh, 50 or more years of being pushed in front of the public so obviously that's the uh, the uh, the theory or the concept that most people can uh, understand although now with some of the uh, the, uh, the paranormal radio shows like uh, the paracast and uh, some of the tv uh, programs people are beginning to realize mm, Maybe these things aren't uh, from the uh, dark side of the uh, moon. You know, I did a um, uh, an article that just uh, came out. It's in the current issue of uh, Open Minds magazine, and it w- the article was about the last of the UFO contactees, Howard Menger. Now, you know, I have to to some uh, degree blame uh, uh, Howard Menger and uh, uh, the host of the uh, the first all night uh, paranormal show, Long John Nebel for uh, getting me involved in all of this, because I used to uh, stay up until 5 o'clock in the morning when I should have uh, been uh, sleeping to get up in time to go to school the next day. But no, I was listening to Long John on the W.O.R. and uh, uh, hearing uh, the, the tales of uh, wonderment and
1: enlightenment. But well, I'll tell you, that's why electric. I'm in radio today, literally speaking by yes. listening to Long John Neville yes. as a kid, and I came up with the crazy idea, gee, I'd like to do that, too. I'd really yeah, like know, that kind of well, thing. You know, I, Therefore, I, I, let me continue. Therefore, I'm going to do this. I'm going to grow up and become a radio broadcaster. Of course, my parents looked at me and said, why don't you get a real job? I think huh. nowadays, after listening to the show, there are still people who are suggesting uh. to me, Gene, Why don't you get a real job? This is the real statement here, that we have Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
9: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: With Gene and Chris, we have Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO. Earlier we had Claudia Cunningham telling us about her stories about strange paranormal events in and around the burial spot of Charles Fort. Now... I wanted to bring up something here. We of course didn't have much time to warn our listeners of your presence, your return presence Tim. But we have somebody called Polterwurst, you know, who <laughs> right, who eats liverwurst for lunch or something or for brunch on Sundays, you know, that's how it goes, who wrote a very very long letter with a lot of comments and I'm not going to read all this because it's going to take several minutes. And mostly it is this particular segment. Okay. I just read that Mr. Beckley seems to have had a possible poltergeist experience. As you can see from my nickname, I'm a bit intrigued by the possibility of poltergeists. So it's just a lot of questions. How old were you? What happened? Etc. Etc. Oh, okay. It's a very well, me, long question. And rather than okay. read it, why don't you tell the story?
7: Okay. Well, actually, um, the paranormal is part of our family background. Brad Steiger actually wrote this up in in one of his books recently and and uh, told it on the radio. I I don't know if I wanted it really to be aired, but it's okay. I've mentioned it now a couple of times. My grandfather, on my father's side of the family, actually had a a sighting or an encounter with a headless horseman behind the barn where he he lived on a a farm in Kentucky. Now, uh, I said that it was the... um, uh, probably a uh, uh, Confederate, there had been a, a lot of uh, you know, Civil War uh, taking place, battles taking place uh, near there. Uh, I was told that it was probably the uh, uh, the ghost of a uh, Confederate soldier who had been beheaded by a cannonball or something to that extent. But I, I, I can't prove that. That's just the family uh, story. Uh, also, when I was three years old, uh, my life might have been saved by some sort of spiritual uh, being. My mother had um, asthma and emphysema real bad, and in those days, well, she met my father in Kentucky on, on a trip there. People would go to the Bluegrass State because it was supposed to be good for breathing, and, and, and I, I don't think it applies uh, anymore, but it was the place to go if you had uh, a respiratory uh, uh, problems or vacations and all. So my mother would go there, and she made some friends, and she was introduced to uh, what became my father, of course, and... Uh, one day, they they used to drive. They had an old uh, Oldsmobile. They always bought Oldsmobiles for some reason. And uh, the drive took about maybe three or four days. And I guess this one took a, long, a little bit longer than usual because uh, they had encountered some fairly... Uh, Foul weather. But they had uh, made up a little area in the backs of My mother and my father drove, uh, rode in the front seat in the car, and they made up a, a little area for me in the back, and I slept uh, there while I had, and, and played with my toys and uh, little aliens and stuff like that. I guess you know. Uh, anyway, uh, one night as they were reaching uh, close to the destination, they had come across a uh, very thick uh, cloud bank, and my father was anxious to get to the uh, destination where they were staying, right, uh, and probably his brother's house, and. Uh, Anyway, he was persistent in driving, but my mother, uh, who was more of a controlling factor in the family, was more persistent that he immediately stopped. So he he stopped and pull o- pulled over to what he thought was the side of the road. Uh, the next morning when the uh, uh, sun came up and the uh, um, fog started to break, uh, it turned out that the Oldsmobile w- had come to a halt uh, within a foot or so of a cliff on you know, the side of the road, uh, deep ravine, and if they had gone another foot or two, uh, I would not be here to be a uh, guest probably for the fifth time, I think, on the Paracast.
1: So, or the uh, first time, as a matter of fact.
7: There you go. Uh, so uh, there is some evidence that maybe there was some spiritual force be, uh, behind that. I, I do think to some degree that I have been pushed to continue uh, in this uh, field because this is an insane thing to do as you guys can relate to, uh, certainly to think that you can make a living off of this or even uh, persist in a, in, a, um, uh, in a sane situation after doing this for 40-plus uh, years is pretty uh, obvious. But also the house that I, I lived in at the time, which was in New Jersey, had poltergeist phenomenon. Uh, lights went on and off. Uh, doors would open and close. And I remember one time I was at the kitchen table. This would have been when I was about maybe six or seven years old. I remember one time being at the kitchen table, and there was a big uh, chinaware you know, plate, and it slid across the table, and it fell onto the floor, but it didn't break. I can't say that it floated. I don't even remember, Gene, to be honest with you. I'm not going to make it up. But it didn't break, and that was pretty uh, unusual. Also, uh, one time we heard the sound, my mother and I uh, heard the sound of a uh, uh, baby crying, and this was in the middle of um, uh, winter. Okay, so we followed the sound of the of the crying, and it was coming from uh, the area outside the back door. We opened the back door, and there in the snow uh, were what appeared to be little uh, uh, booty prints, right, from the shoes of a young child. Okay, so we followed it, or at least my mother did, to the, uh, to the back gate, and it seemed to have disappeared. Well, now, other people have said over the years, well it was just an animal or a cat or something. And I I would normally say, well, that's that's a good possibility. Okay, but here's the uh, kicker here. Uh, Several years after that, uh, my godmother was uh, babysitting me. Now, my... She was a very uh, staunch Catholic, and my mother would never bring up the uh, the ghost of uh, the subject of ghosts or anything like that. So, I don't think her her mind was, you know, relating to that type of thing. Uh, anyway, while she was babysitting me, she heard the sound of a baby crying. She went to where it appeared to be uh, coming from. Now. There was a door in our apartment. If you open it, there was a, a, just a little area there, a couple of square feet, and then there was the entrance to my grandparents' uh, apartment. They lived upstairs, so you'd open this, uh, the outer door and you'd walk up. Anyway, standing in that little area between the two doorways was a woman with a baby uh, in its uh, uh, arm. Well, my godmother uh, kind of freaked, I guess, or didn't know, thought there was, you know, like somebody in the house that shouldn't. Um, you know be there anyway she closed the door and then i guess when she got her nerve up she opened it again and the apparition or whatever it was was gone well my sister did some investigation years later and uh, found out that uh, uh, there apparently was uh, during the um, uh, flu epidemic i think it was diphtheria around about oh just after world war uh, one. that would have been like 1917, 1918 Millions, something like 48 million people died all over the planet I know this because one of the magazines I edited over the years was called Front Page Disasters and I wrote an article about it uh, anyway supposedly from what my sister had learned during her research a mother and their uh, child, their daughter had died there during the epidemic and they had, uh, had a wake in the house and the baby or the child was in its mother's arms in the open coffin. True story? I don't know. That's the the family uh, legend and uh, lore.
1: I'll tell you what, uh, we have a lot more questions I noticed from Polterwurst. I'd like to ask them with regard to poltergeists. What about the so-called psychokinetic teenager theory? That there is energy being presented by a teenager in the house. You know, Most always a teenage girl, as opposed to a teenage yeah, well, I, boy, I did, right? I, let's
7: see, my sister would have been eight years older than I was. She is now uh, deceased. So she was, a see, six, eight, no She would have been fourteen or fifteen years uh, old. And you know, she had uh, even uh, after she got married and, and, and moved into her own uh, place and had a family. Uh, she uh, retained an interest in in, uh, in the weird uh, type of stuff and uh, uh, had some experiences uh, of her own. And they used to follow her to some degree from place to place. She had objects disappear and, and reappear as uh, well. But uh, she was long over, uh, you know, uh, being a teenager at that point. So I
1: think the implication here from polterwurst is that these are staged events. That the teenager is doing this maybe subconsciously to, uh,
16: well, I, you know, well, have a prank I, or I something. But staged, I wanted to get into,
1: I I, yeah, Tim, there's yeah. about three or four other implications in yeah. that question, which are regarding speaking of staged events and hoaxes. And I want to ask you about that. We have Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO, and he'll, he'll soon tell us how to find out more about his stuff. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com.
12: Peter Noble from Midas Resources. Today is December 16th, 2011. Gold opened this morning at 1591.50. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 163149, 81575 for a half ounce, and 40787 for a quarter ounce, 1631 49, 81575, and 40787.
3: Gold isn't for you? Hi, I'm Ted Anderson, and I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed the government is doing a great job. The Fed will stop handing out trillions like bailout candy, but that's not what's happening. If all looks rosy, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked, while gold has risen 1,600%. Savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. Find out what they know. Call us, and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well. Very well. Free. Call 800 686 2237. Call 800 686 2237. That's 800 686 2237.
5: Long Range Patrol Ration Entrees. If you know survival, you know LRPs are the undisputed king of military rations. Hands down, the best for your bug out bag or survival pack. To go farther, faster, and carry more food, there's nothing better than a Brick Pack LRP Cold Weather Ration Entree. Nothing. Now, the Freeze-Dry Guy is offering a limited-time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long-term storage. But they're going fast at freezedryguy.com. Far superior to MREs, long-range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze-dried entrees. Ask about multi-case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today that's 866-404-3663 or freeze dry guy.com your source for survival food in an uncertain world
10: As we age, we lose both strength and muscle mass. Undamaged whey protein from grass-fed cows is nature's most powerful food to gain back lost muscle. Virtually all whey protein powders or drinks have been damaged during processing or are high in sugar. This damaged whey causes a significant loss in the ability of the body to build new muscle proteins. The high sugar content will stop all the benefits of your growth hormone from causing muscle repair. By giving your body easily absorbed, undamaged whey free of added sugar, you may be able to gain back lost muscle and strength. One World Way is truly undamaged whey protein powder free of added sugar. Both young and elderly are reporting increases in muscle strength and size without any additional exercise. Go to OneWorldWay.com. that's OneWorldWhey.com, to read or hear some impressive testimonies to this effect. Or call 888-988-3325, that's 888-988-3325. We'd like to
0: hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's TheParacast.com,
1: or check us out at iTunes. We're back with Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO, on the Paracast with Jean and Chris. So, another question from Polterwurst, one of our paranormal novices. At I'll the have Paracast to have much for
7: someday discuss this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Speaking of staged events and hoaxes mixed up with what seem to be real events. I think the implication here is that maybe we see certain figures in the UFO field have a genuine encounter, unusual, paranormal encounter, and they get attention as a result. So they want more than a 15 minutes of fame. They want 30 minutes. So suddenly they, shall we say, fabricate further incidents.
16: Yeah, I'll
7: go along with that. Uh, No doubt about that. Uh, Yeah, so again, that causes another uh, great degree of uh, confusion uh, in the field. Well, I started telling actually about the article that I wrote for Open Minds magazine about Howard Menger, and he would be the prime example of this. Uh, And I guess you you knew uh, Howard to some degree. I guess anybody who uh, was part of – sorcerology that lived on the uh, east sure. coast he was sure. the he was the uh, george adamski of the metropolitan uh, area of, they uh, called the him coast. the
1: jersey adamski from new jersey
7: there you go and, and now I, I knew howard and you know he could tell a, a story and a half but on the other hand you know he, he said that he was meeting these people uh, In his, he lived on a farm, uh, grew up on a farm with his parents, they actually moved from Brooklyn uh, you know when he was like 10 years old they moved to this farm for A, a lot year of better. us wanted uh, to
1: move from Brooklyn
7: Yeah, yeah there you go, I, I guess some ufologists were in those days, I don't know if it's a con, well Harold Eglin is over there now, he's got his abduction uh, group but anyway so uh, Howard started having these experiences, in fact one of them was meeting this beautiful woman from Venus uh, on a rock, uh, you know, like a quarter mile away from his house near a stream and so forth. And she was beautiful and angelic. And told him about, uh, you know, how great the uh, beings were from, uh, you know, around the cosmos and how we can have a better, uh, you know, state of life if we just, uh, you know, turned our way, uh, evil ways, into uh, goodness and sweetness and and light. And uh, in fact, his brother also had a a few uh, encounters, but not as close as uh, Howard uh, supposedly uh, did. Now, the thing is, people say, well, that's a bunch of uh, nonsense. But I I related my uh, article, several different things. I I remember I had gotten a call one afternoon. I was living in New Jersey at the time, and I was kind of the hub of, uh, it was me and a fellow by the name of Ed Babcott, and he was running the New Jersey Association on Aerial Phenomena, and I had the Interplanetary News Service, right? uh, Because
1: E.T. was sending you the press releases. Yeah, yeah.
7: I guess I was—I uh, swallowed it. Well, you know, I was also always uh, fascinated by the Shaver mystery in the inner earth. I had done a book uh, that great Barker uh, published. You know, when I when I was in the third grade, I had to do a book review. At Gene, and I didn't want to do Silas Moner or uh, the uh, third grade book reviews. Yeah, yeah, third grade. Well, why not? You know. So, what what book did I pick? They do too much about flying saucers. It's the only B plus I ever got. <laughs> written, you know, a review at the at the time. A little did I know, of course, that I would become friends with the Gray years later, and that he would publish uh, my first three uh, books. You know, I have a lot of these synchronicities. I think synchronicities tie in with this as as well. It's another way of showing us whatever these entities or energies are.
1: Yeah, but I wanted to that, refocus uh, on this. So, for example, yeah. maybe Howard Menger has some kind of unusual encounter
7: well yeah well yes he did okay so uh, i had gotten this call one day from a, a gentleman who had heard uh, howard several times on the long john nebel show so he didn't know howard and he didn't particularly want to meet howard but he decided one night he was going to drive out to this farm in Highbridge, new jersey so he drove out uh, as he listened to long john on the car radio he got there uh, parked his car in the field behind the howard house which was quite uh, expansive it's now apartment building, I understand, the fellow who edits where New Jersey was out there recently. It's all developed, of course. Uh, anyway, this fellow who called me parked in his car back there, and he's listening to Long John on the radio, and he's looking up in in, in wonderment at the night sky with all the stars and so forth. All of a sudden, uh, Long John is saying good night. right? The show is over. Well, he's had you know four hours or three and a half or four hours of time that he can't account for. But he figures, well, maybe he went to sleep or something like that, just passed out because it was late at night. So he drives back to his uh, his home. I think he lived in Edison, or at least that's where he was calling me from. And little by little, his life started to I I, I don't know I I would say go downhill. He started to become obsessed with all of this. Well, he ended up uh, splitting uh, from his wife and his family. I guess he lost his job. That's pretty uh, common once he. UFO bug, you know, like infects your body. Uh, There's no hope for a lot of people. Remember um, the fellow, the character played by Richard Dreyfuss in Close Encounters, where he started making the devil's tower out of the mashed potato heap. That's a a very well-known scene in the movie. Well, this guy kind of did the same thing. He was getting messages from whoever was responsible for his uh, four hours of missing time, and they were telling him to build or construct something. So he moved into this trailer, and the place – now, I, I never did go to see him, but as he described it to me, the place became a uh, a hub of wires and erector sets and, and all kinds of weirdness uh, going on uh, over there. So this all happened while the guy was in the uh, back of Howard's uh, property behind his house uh, waiting for the aliens to come, and perhaps uh, the aliens might be – did come. Okay. So, also, I was in in contact uh, with other people who had had experiences and testified that uh, there seemed to be something strange going on behind Howard's uh, house in the apple orchard there. Now, if you uh, remember, uh, in fact, in the article for Open Minds, there's some photographs that Howard took, some of which look suspicious and some of which uh, could be authentic. Again, it's, you know, who who knows for... uh,
1: Some look like paintings to me. Honestly, some Uh look like paintings. One looks like a painting of the spaceship in The Day the Earth Stood still at night.
7: And, and then there's some lesser ones where it actually shows a, a being materializing there and it's got kind of a weird glow as a shadowy figure with a anyway. I'm trying to the, focus the on is,
1: this of course. The key being here did Mandra just make up a lot of stories after having no, one thing? No,
7: I think there were some uh, weird experiences going on there because there is a a, a lot of records of people's testifying Dr. Eric Bethels-Fortz Schwartz, is now deceased actually interviewed a lot of the people who had uh, visited the Howard's the house and, and, seen, and they seemed like reputable uh, people. They didn't seem to be making it up. In fact, some of them were police officers. So I think, yes, Howard enjoyed the limelight. You know, He, he spoke for our, at our conventions a couple of times, and this guy could chatter away. The
1: one thing that really got to be crazy is at the time that I met Menger, we had lunch, Jim Mosley and I, in the 60s yes. at a diner on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Menger was starting to say, you know what, maybe the military created uh-huh. these Yes. faux experiences to further their own interest or whatever, that they didn't happen.
7: Well, I think that may be the true, but no, he never really... 100% said that his experiences were not uh, real and were not uh, extraterrestrial in nature. In fact, years later, he came out of retirement because for about 10 or 15 years, he never said a word about the subject. And all of a sudden, I, I called him up one day and I said, Howard, I'm giving a conference. I think it was in San Diego or, or Phoenix. And uh, I'd like to invite you to come. And he said, sure, It just pay for my rental car. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring my X1. Well, he was a tinkerer. Howard had a workshop behind his house, and uh, the story goes that he built the craft uh, one day uh, based on some technology that his buddies from space had given him, and the thing flew off and landed in Pennsylvania. And the FBI even showed up at his door to, to
1: interview him about this.
7: So anyway, he showed up at my c- uh, conference a day late, but then he was driving from, oh, I think he was uh, living in Florida at, uh, by that time. He had okay, so he California. came to your
1: conference a day late, a dollar short, I'm joking. Yeah, Tim well, Beckley uh, well, joins well. us here with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast.
9: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN
1: Radio Network.
15: of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at terraganix.com spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, terraganix.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw
12: probiotic. Has the United States been discovered in the Bible? Where does Islam fit in Bible prophecy? Is
13: the new world order world government? These and other crucial end-time questions are answered in the new DVD package, Understanding the End Time, from End Time Ministries. Jesus Christ said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, so that when they do come to pass, you might believe. After you watch this 14-lesson DVD series, Understanding the End Time, you'll know more about Bible prophecy than the average seminary graduate. This DVD package normally sells for $280, but now is only $199. Order Understanding the End Time DVD package at endtime.com today for only $199 or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463. 1-800-363-8463 or intime.com. The world's best solar-powered oven has gotten
12: better. Sun ovens are now available with a brand new Christmas sun dehydrating and preparedness kit, which includes everything required for cooking, water pasteurization, and dehydrating with the power of the sun. Prepared families are storing food for months and years, but only have enough fuel stored for days or weeks. A sun oven lets you harness the sun's power to bake, boil, or steam food, heat water for purification or personal hygiene, or dehydrate. For the past 25 years, sun ovens have been proudly made in the U.S., are durable, and have a long life, and come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations. For a limited time, preppers can save $65 on the purchase of a Christmas sun dehydrating and preparedness kit. For a discount coupon, visit sunoven.com slash GCN. That's sunoven.com slash GCN. This is Hilly
14: Rose. And I hope that you do listen to the Paracast, because you will learn a great deal about the paranormal.
1: Tim Beckley telling us about Howard Menger joining you in this UFO convention a day late. So was that because he didn't get to speak as a result?
7: No, no. You know why? He was because he had had rented a little trailer and he had put his uh, homemade uh, flying saucer on it and was uh, traveling across the country uh, with it. So I guess he had to stop a couple of times and retie the thing to the trailer and whatever, and maybe he didn't know how to get to uh, San Diego from uh, Vero B. But he showed up, and he gave a talk for about two hours with a blackboard, and he just went on and on and on about the propulsion system. In fact, here's a little unknown story about Howard. He claims that he actually drove a government-built flying saucer. Uh, In his uh, book that he and his uh, wife, uh, Connie, who's still alive and living in Florida, wrote called The High Bridge Incident, he tells about this uh, episode, I believe, in Colorado where he was taken to a warehouse or a hangar, and uh, through telepathic powers he was actually able to take this thing out for a a midnight uh, cruise. Let's move past
1: Howard Mentor, okay? Let's move past him. Maybe, maybe not. I kind of just wanted to focus on the possibility that People have experiences that embellish them. A further question Uh, from Mr. Polterwurst. He asked us enough questions with enough detail to fill the rest of the show. I just refresh my memories about your first UFO sighting, where you described something like balls of light under intelligent control. And then he relates this to cases in other parts of the world. And I guess he wanted further comments about what this involved and whether there's any relationship with that and poltergeists.
7: Well, I've had three sightings. The first one, uh, which I've described many times, including on this program, I think, was around the age of 10. Uh, It was a warm summer night in like August. Uh, That would have been like around 1957 or so. And in those days, we didn't have air conditioning. So everybody would sit and hunker down on the, you know, on the front porch till it got cool enough to go inside. Now this uh, 1957, if you remember, was a pretty uh, heavy uh, hitter year for flying saucer uh, sightings. So anyway, someone came running up to the porch where we were seated. Uh, I think my mother was there and a couple of people from down the block uh, pointed out two objects in the sky. One was uh, hovering over an abandoned factory building directly across the street, and one appeared over the house. Now. I can't tell you that I saw a little green man. Nobody waved to me. There were no landing gear. These were brightly lit lights just over the cloud bank, so you couldn't really see a lot of detail. They kept switching uh, positions in the sky so that the one across the way would come uh, in fr- uh, the house and vice versa, they just move around. Okay, suddenly the one over the factory building uh, disappeared like somebody had uh, pulled the light switch. The other one played around in the sky for a little while after that went inside eventually. Next day or following day, there was an item in the newspaper that other people had witnessed this, and the authorities were saying that it was nothing more unconventional than a weather balloon. Well, Gene and Chris, even at the age of 10, I knew this was not a weather balloon. It was something that seemed to be under intelligent control. It wasn't bobbing and weaving in the uh, air current or anything like that. Now, The only thing over the years uh, that I've sat here and tried to explain this in my own mind, because I do try to find a rational explanation first before I go out on a limb.
1: But now Uh, you're going uh, out on a limb. That's, of course, the precursor to that.
7: And the only thing that I could think of was, well, they could be searchlight uh, beacons playing around in an overcast sky. Except that the flight path of these lights were so tight that this uh, so-called beacon of light or searchlight, well, you would have had to see it hitting the the clouds because it was over the house and over the factory building. It wasn't making a wide sweep. So I don't know what this was. It was a UFO, and it remains a UFO uh, in my uh, mind. I had another sighting uh, when I was in Warminster, England. I had uh, published a book by Arthur Shuttlewood, and, of course, Warminster... There was more UFO sightings in Warminster than anywhere else, and the uh, in Europe, uh, probably uh, you know all over the world. I had been invited by uh, the late Earl of Clan Brinsley Lepore Trench, to speak at this uh, unofficial UFO group that was uh, he had organized for members of the House of Lords. I, I believe I was maybe one or two Americans that actually was invited to to speak there, and I went to Loch Ness on my trip, and I went to uh, Warminster, uh, anyway, I was in the uh, in the field near Star Hill where a lot of these sightings had taken place. I was there with Shuttlewood and another fellow by the name of Bob Strong. He was a retired RAF uh, fighter pilot. This guy had two huge scrap albums full of UFO photographs that he and others had taken. Uh, unfortunately, people borrowed them. Little by little to make copies and never return them. Some of these things were the weirdest things you ever look at. There was one particular photo, and I think I've published this. It looked like a freight train going across the sky. Another thing that looked like a a humongous bat, you know, with the multiple wings and stuff. Just incredible stuff. We're not just talking about, you know, a disc or something like that. We're talking about something really spooky here. So anyway, it's about 11 o'clock at night. We had seen uh, a few meteorites, uh, you know, fly by. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, Arthur points out this uh, fairly bright light high up in the sky. Now, there was no lamppost or outdoor lighting or anything. We are in the middle of field, pitch dark, all right? So I thought, well, maybe it's the planet Venus and certainly not the moon. And, and I conveyed that the feeling to, to Shuttlewood and the other people there. Uh, and Arthur said, oh, no, 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 that's, that's probably one of them. And I said, well, how can you tell? He said, watch this. So he goes to the back of his car opens it up, and takes out a large torchlight. I mean, this wasn't like a little, you know, plastic flashlight. This is a big torchlight, you know, powerful batteries and all. And he starts blinking at this object in the sky. That wasn't Mars code or anything. But a blink, 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 blink. Every time he would blink at this object, and I witnessed this myself, this thing would make somersaults. It would move around like the light we're on a marionette or you know like a puppet string or something like this is way up in the sky there's no uh, a puppet master there well maybe there is but we looked at it for about maybe 10 minutes and every time he flashed blink 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 uh, it seemed to maneuver as if uh, acknowledging our presence eventually it went behind the, uh, the clouds and disappeared and it started raining and I went back to the hotel and that was it you know we talked to enough people while I was there for two days so there was something incredible going on there and most of it it was of a uh, paranormal nature, I mean there were beings that would uh, stand about seven or eight feet tall. They would stand up against the uh, the fence uh, post you know there was a closed gate, and you could see right through them and they would be heard walking through the uh, the bramble and the bushes, but they could not be seen. There were all sorts of uh, lights in the uh, in the field now. One of the most fascinating stories, Uh, uh, Gene, do you remember a fellow by the name of Bryce Bond? Bryce Bryce Bond Bond
1: was a talk show host.
7: Well, no, he started out, actually, he was at, I think the station was WTFM, uh, just over uh, uh, the border there in Long Island. He played music like Frank Sinatra. uh,
1: Right, originally he was just a disc jockey. Disc jockey, that's
7: correct, Okay. Uh, later, he was uh, uh, again. His life was transformed. And he was pulled uh, into this. But he had called me one day. He, he used to read uh, meeting notices. Whenever Jim or I were having meetings, he would read them on the, the air as a public, uh, uh, you know, notice. But he didn't have a particular interest in the subject, or at least we never discussed it. Anyway, one day he calls me up and he tells me he's going to uh, uh, the UK on vacation. Uh, is there anything that he might do to whittle away some of the time, or that he might find interesting? Well, I suggested perhaps he get in touch with fellow and journalist. Uh, Arthur Shuttlewood. Uh, About a month later, I hear from Bryce, and he's all excited. He's quit his job at the radio station, and he has become a healer. And I said, well, what is that all about, uh, Bryce? Well, it seems that he was at the Star Hill, about the same area where I was. Uh, He sees a light off in the distance and decides to climb over the fence. Well, nobody else uh, follows him. He goes out... uh, yeah, maybe a quarter of a mile, an eighth of a mile by himself. He claims that he becomes one with the object. He's actually teleported or merged with the object. Uh, inside of the craft are uh, human, what they call the Nordics, human-looking uh, aliens. Uh, they talk to him uh, for a while, give him a message of peace and enlightenment, tell him to go back and devote his life to uh, you know, a healing and so forth and so on. And that's exactly what he did. So I don't know. He put down his uh, Frank Sinatra 45s and, and took up the uh, UFO uh, uh, fellowship movement of the Space Brothers or something. I don't know. I mean, I didn't know Bryce well enough ahead of time to know if that's something that he would do or not, uh, because he didn't seem to be a ufologist or that much into the subject. He was a disc jockey.
1: And, and I'll tell you what, some pretty- of us are former disc jockeys, and, and that's yeah. another life. I hey, we i tell you something here. We have yeah. Tim Beckley. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast.
9: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
1: If you're taking
6: one, two, five or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com, and now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer bio superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family learn more and order your bio superfood formulas at bioage.com spelled b-i-o-a-g-e.com bioage.com or call 877-288-9116 that's 877-288-9116 BioAge. the age of advanced
14: organics hey everybody alex jones here If you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift, listen up. This will make your holiday shopping very easy. This year, give a seed bank from one of our oldest sponsors, Solutions from Science, to your friends and family. Here's why. The Survival Seed Bank will give any friend or loved one the ability to grow a full acre crisis garden of nutritionally dense, life-sustaining food. And the Survival Seed Bank is not just a box of open-pollinated seeds. It's an indestructible, waterproof seed bank that can even be buried if we face a real meltdown. And here's the best part. All the seeds in the Survival Seed Bank go through strict germination testing so you can be confident you're not buying old seeds. Give a Survival Seed Bank this Christmas by going to survivalseedbank.com. That's survivalseedbank.com. Or you can call 877-327-0365 to give the gift that produces an ongoing supply of life-sustaining food. If you owe the IRS
16: money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi,
14: I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla
16: will solve your tax problem, guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people, and he can help you, too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX.
2: This is Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, and I'm here to say a good word or two about
14: the Paracast, which I believe is the gold standard of paranormal radio.
5: Listen to it if you can.
1: With Gene and Chris, we have the irrepressible Tim Beckley, Mr. UFO, on the Paracast. Chris, you want to follow up with some of these issues in our final segment?
2: You guys are just fascinating me with these uh, interesting uh, accounts and stories. And, you know, I think it's important that all these types of events and, and colorful individuals have been documented over the years. And I think it's really important for our listeners, especially the younger listeners, to to read these books and, and do the research and become familiar with the wonderful kaleidoscope of history that these types of phenomenon, you know, have, have presented us that have been captured in, in all the books that Tim's written and well, and of course, well, you know, in the San Luis not, Valley. Not only,
7: not only that I've written, but I've begun to bring out a series of what I call flying saucer classics. I've taken a lot of these books that are in public domain or are never copyrighted, or the authors are dead fifty years or something like that, right? And put them together, two classic books into one. Not so much because I believe. You know, people say, "Oh, you believe in all this?" Uh, well, I won't say the word that I'm, I'm thinking. And, and no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what I always tell people. They ask me, "What is my opinion on the subject?" And you know what I tell them? It doesn't matter what my opinion is, UFOs act independently, not only of my thinking, but anybody else's, right? Yeah, that's so, good point. I believe that this, this material should be preserved. Most of these publications had a very small circulations. These books had small circulations to begin with, and now they probably have much even smaller uh, circulations, because of course, this is a limited uh, uh, field here, as far as the book selling goes. You know, People think, oh, you get rich by publishing UFO books. Well, you know, over, over 50 years, how many books have actually become bestsellers in the field? You could count them on your Martian hand. You know, I mean, it's it, it's like flying. I think the best-selling book on the subject is supposedly a Flying saucer series of business by Frank Edwards. Communion maybe came close, but Hopkins had a uh, a book on the uh, be, uh, bestsellers for a couple of weeks. And uh, John Keel's made it, I think, up to number three or something like that in Mothman prophecies. Leslie Kane John. certainly
1: has with her UFO book; she did very well.
7: Oh yes, but that's, Leslie Kane, a celebrity, yeah, yeah, okay, but uh, yeah. Uh, so, but there, there have been. There, you certainly don't get into the UFO field uh, thinking that you're going to make uh, any real kind of money, you know. And that uh, people would point at the contactees and say, "Oh, they're just in it for the bucks." No, oh, there's no money to be made. They, they would go from town to town, and they they would uh, you know like uh, sleep a night in somebody's uh, you know. A Apartment or two. Uh, Dan Fry, who of course claimed that he was an engineer and worked at White Sands approving Ground, he took the Greyhound. I remember one time right. I, I I was on the. Uh, he took the Greyhound wherever he went. You know. I remember I was on a. Uh, a program uh, that Professor G. C. Shellhorn put together in uh, some small- Madison, Wisconsin, I think it was. It was on a snowy day. There were more people on stage than in the audience. And Dan showed up through the uh, you know the uh, the, bl- the mini blizzard to give his uh, his uh, talk. And he had arrived in town after three days on the road on a on a on a, on a trailways bus or something, you know. So, uh, the money to be made, no, uh, maybe enough to put dinner on the uh, the table uh, or, or something, you know. And he. Even George Van Tassel, people say, oh, he collected that money for the uh, the Integratron. You know, well, I don't think he put uh, any of it in his pocket because I've been out to, to visit the family. You know, the family doesn't have permission to get into the Integratron, but they live in trailers right behind it. The, uh, the grandson and all. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I presented them with an award. You know, for, uh, I had a big conference one time in Palm Springs at a lovely hotel. The hotel gave me all the facilities for free because it was the middle of August. Well, that might uh, explain why we had less than 100 people there because it was so hot, but the, uh, the, uh, it, was, it was a great show. In fact, our keynote speaker was Robert Weiss of The uh, Day the Earth Stood Still. I seated him right next to Kenneth Anger, if you know who he uh, who is, uh, who uh, came to the conference by very strange circumstances – and I only knew who he was and recognized him because he had left behind a stack of mail that he had just gotten from the post office at one of the vendors' tables. And I followed him down the hall and I said, Kenneth, are you coming to the show? And he said, I really can't afford to. And I said, well, I want you to be my guest. So I seated Robert Weiss and the Maverick uh, filmmaker, uh, uh, Kenneth Anger, next to each other and introduced him at the uh, this conference. But uh, no money no money to be made in, in, in UFOs. Uh, maybe the notoriety. I mean, some people do it because they can... Uh, get a little bit of attention but you know to me it's like if you go to a party right gina and we've all been to parties and uh, some people speak will, for
9: you yourself
1: know, Well, okay
7: well <laughs> some people will stand around the room with the proverbial lampshade on their on their head right while other people will sulk off into the corner and not talk to to anybody and leave early or something and i think it's the same way with the ufos and ufo contactees some people just tend to be more vocal and you know outlandish and outstanding and other people may have had the same or more dramatic experiences and they're not going to talk about it. So that's, that's my take on on that. Uh, actual hoaxes, uh, yeah, but according to the, the bunkers, it's uh, they're all hoaxes. So, uh, you know, it's inconsequential. It ha- hoaxes don't really... The biggest hoax going is that guy in uh, Switzerland. And I yeah, Don't say that too
2: loud. Name. Michael Horn might hear you.
7: Well, Ma- Michael Horn can take the photos and shred them. Because they they are the uh, being uh, being in the movies and having uh, taken photos uh, for years, that's the biggest load of UFO nonsense. Bilge material. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> right. And again, a, a fellow who insists that he's the only one that has contact. Why would they contact him? In the middle of nowhere, he's got a cult going. He wants to come people help him harvest his little garden back there. And, and
2: well, you know, I think support. we might have the makings gene of a good debate here. We could do a debate with Tim and Michael Horn. That would be a fun. Why, why, one. Waste,
7: why waste two hours of my precious time? I'll tell you what.
2: We did have a debate
1: with Michael yeah. Horn and the former co-host on the Powercast. This goes back yeah. to something like 2006. And we got loads of emails because all the supporters of the M-person, all the supporters of he who shall not be named,
7: yes.
1: which is what we referred them to, came aboard and they just posted message after message. And finally it got to be so crazy we just put a stop to it because it was a matter of, of filibustering. You know, this was the filibuster method of debate where you'd ask a person a question And they would spend about three weeks answering it, so you could never figure out what they were talking about. At that point, you lost them a long time ago.
7: Yeah, yeah. Well, to me, that that's uh, a a UFO. uh, Just it just clutters the uh, the mill. You know, I mean, it's just just not even worth paying attention uh, to it. And I'm sure I won't get uh, lots of uh, emails now to, to see some exist. But actually, a good friend of mine is Wendell Stevens' uh, daughter. Now, Wendell, of course, wrote the first book on, on that uh, infamous uh, contactee there. And Wendell had some great stories, and I knew Wendell uh, fairly uh, well. Uh, and uh, his daughter Cece is uh, taking over publishing some of his books, and uh, just like us, uh, we're, put, we're trying little by little to put them all up on Kindle and, and, and so forth. And uh, that saved the day. If it wasn't for you know Kindle, uh, we would not be selling uh, half as many books as we used to. But we're, we're still we're still in there. And anybody who wants that free newsletter and a free DVD, uh, just uh, send me a, an email or go to the website uh, conspiracyjournal.com.
1: So, Tim Beckley, since you raised the issue, and we're happy to give you the chance, how can our listeners reach you by email?
7: Well, my email address is Mr. UFO8. That's M R U F O, and the number eight at hotmail.com. And send me an email. You either like what I have to say or you don't. I'll still put you on our mailing list. We put out the Conspiracy Journal. It got loads of books. I think we got 229 books. If you go to Amazon.com and type in my name, uh, I put myself down as editor of the books, even if I haven't written them. So almost everything, that's my trick for
1: almost everything that's showing up. And I, know, I want to ask you something, though, here. Yeah. Mr UFO8. Does that mean there's a Mr UFO7, a 6, a 5, etc.? Yeah, et
7: well, yes, uh, uh, there's certainly a Mr UFO1 and 2, and I don't know who uh, who they are, but yeah, uh, originally I did try to to, to uh, you know to get that as the uh, email address and it was taken already
1: okay and well, mr. The UFO mr ufo without the numbers you couldn't get
7: well you know we had a ufo a store around the corner it was uh you know, like a, a furniture outlet something <laughs> furniture outlet and the guy had a big flying saucer uh, you know
1: on it yeah there you go so, there you go yeah okay yeah. tim beckley we really appreciate your presence because you yeah. always have lots of fun stories yeah. chris o'brien a happy
7: holiday to everybody this is uh, a yeah you too
2: here. and to our listeners Okay, Chris, where do we find more of your stuff? Well, I am a moderator at forum.theparacast.com, and uh, I have a website that's uh, you know uh, getting ready to, at some uh, month, uh, get converted over to a WordPress uh, version,
1: and that's ourstrangeplanet.com. The person who's doing it has been involved in starting a new business, so it will happen, Chris, it will happen. From Gene and Chris to Tim Beckley, thank you for joining us this week yeah, on The Paracast. Yeah, anytime. Up, up, and away.